With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Locked and loaded, ready to dominate the ear holes of America, coast to coast on a Sunday, raise a glass. Well, my coffee mug is starting to get a little light. We'll have to refill that one, get the fuel going. Dan Byer out this week. Bucky Brooks joins me in. NFL Network, former NFL player, NFL scout, breaking it all down. I know he had his eyes locked and loaded on the Senior Bowl. We'll be breaking that down throughout the morning as well as getting you set. Well, we'll start the Super Bowl run-up. Right? It's never too early to talk a little bit of the breakdown of these matchups and how these teams compare. We'll be doing that throughout the show. Bucky, welcome in to the Fox Sports Radio Studios. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Sunday morning, early, early, early. Talking about a little... Yeah, we don't even have a, a crack of sunlight at this point. No, here not in at all. Beautiful Southern California. But you get some interesting characters Absolutely. that walk past this window. <laughs> uh, if you're you're here in the... Well, middle of the the night, as it were. Uh, sometimes you have some visitors that that give you a show. On oh, the outside. yeah. And then you can do running commentary, like you're you're calling a game. Oh, yeah. Everyone likes a little play by play, especially as they're coming home from the watering holes <laughs> that line the streets here. Uh, you can call into the show eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. Get us on Twitter at Swollen Dome at Bucky Brooks. Listening on the iHeart Radio app, Sirius XM channel eighty three. Wherever you're finding us, we appreciate you joining us and spending a few moments. On this Sunday morning, as highways and byways getting you a little bit well worked up uh, as you do lawn lawn work or whatever this Sunday calls to you. I had a Pro Bowl viewing because we'll be talking about the Pro Bowl because I still celebrate it because I only have two more football games left, Bucky, yeah. before it goes away. So, yeah. so I've got to take whatever I can get at this point. Yeah, everybody's excited about football. And obviously, most of the focus has been on the Super Bowl, but I'm still a fan of the Pro Bowl. I know some people are trying to kill it. 
what else do you want to do? It's an all-star game. So it's going to be a little different than a re- regular season game, but I still like to see these stars have one more crack at it before we put the pads away and start talking about the draft. Yeah, I just know they like there's no other way to do it. Like every other sport, no. you can have it in the middle of the season. Football's a different animal. <laughs> I mean, you just can't. Uh, although I got a, you know, segue for a second into the skills competition we saw the other day. They had this kick tack doe thing <laughs> where they put up the big you, you had to kick through the the nine grid and then they'd put your color up uh if you nailed the the field goal. I got to say that one that one was probably the most interesting adaptation of something trying new. to make it fun. Trying to make it fun for the people. The people say they wanted fun, they didn't like Maybe some of the things that take place in the game. So they try to create a almost like a fan festival with players participating. So it's different. But at the end of the day, I'm excited for tonight. I'm excited to see these guys play a little bit of ball, even though it'll be a little different. Yeah, defense usually goes to the only, only in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Only in the fourth quarter. That's right. That's when we play. Well, when you're playing for a little bit bigger, a check. Over-under on this one is 70 and a half, uh, by the way. Just throwing that out there, uh, not for anything. Uh, so the Senior Bowl was yesterday, and, and obviously a lot made – as we start running up towards the draft, it's all about quarterbacks and quarterbacks. And over the course of the show, we'll get into your mock draft. The first round, first take went up this week as the we start thinking about the combine and, and the long, arduous journey towards the fateful day of guys getting to go shake the hand of the commissioner and put on a new hat. But when we look at, at the Senior Bowl, this is something you were able to participate in as a player can you, can you give us a, a perspective of, of what that week's all about? Because I think from the outside in, they're going, wow, we've seen all the game tape. What, what's, what's the judging? You know, the, the Senior Bowl is really a great opportunity for all these players. For one, this is the game where all the premier players eventually come to play. Uh, most of these guys are the ones that will carry the highest grades. They're the ones that will hear their names called typically within the first two days of the draft. And so it's a great time to see the competition. And what you're trying to see for some players, like the agendas are different. For your big-time players like a Baker Mayfield, a Josh Allen, guys who pretty much know they're going to be gone in the first or second round, it's about trying to position themselves at the top of the board at their respective positions. But these games are really big for guys that come from off the grid, small school guys, a Marcus Davenport from UT San Antonio, um, some of the other guys who may not have carried big grades during the regular season but have kind of earned their way in by even having outstanding performances at the East-West Shrine game, the NFLPA game, guys like a Deshaun Hamilton who used a good performance in St. Petersburg at the East-West Shrine to get an invite to the Senior Bowl to parlay that and to get a lot of attention. Every scout, every coach, every general manager is in attendance. And really the focus is more so on the practices as opposed to the game. I know a lot of be made about who played well in the game, but at the end of the day is how did you perform throughout the practice week? Because a lot of times that's where the guys are focusing their efforts on. They'll look at the tape. They're more important. What's more important is how you performed in practice when we saw the competitive drills. Do you look like a guy that can be a big-time player in this league? That's that's the big question. I guess for a lot of the guys that don't come from the highly heralded programs, don't have that that pedigree, do you see that chip during the during the practice week, does that come out a little bit more? Because certainly, if you read any of the accounts, uh, other than what you all did over at NFL Network, it was just you'd think nobody was there but quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, obviously, <laughs> like so. Look, we're on the media side of it. We want to play the hits. Oh, sure. The quarterbacks kind of drive the click business, and so there's a lot of um, a lot of attention folks on the quarterbacks. But there are a ton of players there, and I think. When you think about the small school guys and the guys that were in attendance who had that chip, what you're looking for from an evaluation standpoint is, do they look like they belong 
and this this crop of players that are supposed to be the best of the best, are they overwhelmed by the stage? Do they look like they can hold it on? And then after a couple of days, you're looking to see, can they dominate at this level? Because when you're playing at a smaller school, um, some of the questions are, are you facing guys on a weekly basis that certainly can play in the league? And if you're not, are you dominating the competition? And then when you have an opportunity to step up in competition, do you meet the challenge? And so for these guys, it's a huge opportunity for them to kind of answer some of the questions that scouts have when they go into those smaller schools and look at them on tape. Throughout the show, we will be getting into Bucky's perspective of the Senior Bowl, what we saw, because certainly the 45-16 final uh, didn't leave anybody terribly excited. But a couple of big throws uh, when Allen comes out in the second half. The, the first half, nothing to write home about. Baker Mayfield kind of did, well, what we expect kind of in the Pro Bowl and in some Week 17 NFL games, right? Here's the Queens wave. I, I, hey, you saw me for a couple of series. I'm done. Yeah. But, but Allen comes back out in the second half, makes a couple of big throws. And I think some folks maybe a little bit of an exhale. With with those throws after some, yeah, some well, of the early well some people like because I think the big thing with both both prospects, um, I think it's gonna be an intriguing process as we go through it. We'll talk about Baker Mayfield first because he was the Heisman Trophy winner. A lot of people are really excited about what he can bring to the table. Um, he's a gamer. Uh, he brings a lot of energy to the table. He can make all the throws. He certainly is a guy that really dazzles from the pocket, and he has a way about him that leads you to believe that he can be a natural leader of men. The issue that you have with Baker Mayfield is prototypical NFL quarterbacks stand about 6'2", 6'3", maybe 230-plus pounds. He's a guy that measured in right around six feet. Um, And so when the comparisons come to a Drew Brees and a Russell Wilson, yes, you can see some of the comparisons because of the height. Um, Can he be as precise a passer as Drew Brees? That's yet to be determined. He's certainly not the explosive athlete of Russell Wilson. But what you have to remember – both of those guys were drafted outside of the first round. Drew Brees was drafted in the second, second round. Sure. Russell Wilson was in the third. So now we're talking about Baker Mayfield being a first-round pick. This would be out of the mold, out-of-the-box thinking for most NFL evaluators. So that's why it's been a bit of an issue with Baker Mayfield. And then you throw in some of the stuff, uh, they call it character, uh, the obscene gesture, the uh, running from the cops, probably getting arrested. Some of those things kind of bring back memories of a Johnny Menzel. Yeah, and does, so when, does getting caught by the cop take, I mean, take speaks, him down a peg there? <laughs> it, it, it speaks to his athleticism or lack thereof. You should be able to outrun a cop if you're a big-time college player. But it didn't happen. Maybe he had a bad day. But I think that's the thing. And I think trying to figure out what is the right comp for Baker Mayfield is what a lot of scouts are doing. And then with Josh Allen, Josh Allen is the guy that is going to test the potential versus the production debate in all NFL rooms because the potential – is immense. It's outstanding in terms of prototypical size, 6'5". Right, he checks all those boxes. Pounds, easy, big right? arm, can make yeah. every throw, in the pocket, on the move, all of that stuff. He looks like a unicorn at a position. However, he's a guy that is a career 56% passer, and in our league, 60% is the Mendoza line. Like, you have to complete 60% of your passes at the collegiate level to really be thought of as an efficient passer. So people are trying to weigh this guy is inaccurate he misses throws. He has long stretches of inaccuracy. He hasn't performed well in big games. Yet, on paper, he looks like everything that should play in our league. That's why you have such a polarizing debate about his prospects at the next level. And we'll get into your mock draft because as we break it all down, perhaps a little bit lower. There's been a little bit of controversy as to how we review and, and evaluate 
uh, Josh Allen going forward. We'll do that throughout the show. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Mike Harmon. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Now it's time to serve up the first hot takes and sausage. We welcome in Robert Dasmati, our executive producer. Sam on the ones and twos, riding us out through the show. What's going on, Robert? What's going on, guys? Good morning. Bucky, welcome to the show. Thanks for having so, me on. He's so, spitting fire I know, already, I know, man. he's ready to go. He's ready. This, this is good. It's exciting. So for those of you who don't know, Hot Take Sausage, I throw up a topic and the guys give us their hot takes. So this one today, we're going to go steer to the NBA a little bit. Isaiah Thomas is back in the news, and he says he doesn't understand his role in the Cavs, asking why the team trade for him in the first place if it wasn't to take shots, score, and get him into a rhythm. Isaiah Thomas has been at the center of a lot of drama around the Cavs now, and they've been struggling as of late, even though they did get a win on Friday. But my question for you guys is, is is Isaiah Thomas the most likely candidate to be traded by the deadline? Bucky, you're new to the show. We'll start with you. Most likely to be traded? No, I don't think he'll be traded. I think what the Cavs are hoping that they can find a way to fix it. We've seen this a number of times with the Cavs. They may not uh, necessarily play at a top level for most of the regular season, but they find a way to get it done in the playoffs. And honestly, when you look at the East, who is going to beat them? Who do you really believe can beat them? You have to think that they're still going to come out because when it's a seven-game series, they have a day off in between each game. Who's going to beat LeBron and company? I think this much ado about nothing. Well, try to figure out who the fall guy is. In, in all of this, right? You know, the East has gotten better, but there's still not any team other than perhaps the Celtics that overall... Come on, do we really believe the Celtics are going to beat them? But, 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 but it, are we really blind the least, Celtics? But at least for a series, I mean, they don't play any defense, okay? So, and the, Celt- and the Celt- Kyrie Irving doesn't play. No, like- no, he, he's only defense as well. <laughs> but we're looking at the, the way this team's played, and I agree with you. For all these years, they've not played at all until it matters. The only thing different this year is... You've got more miles on LeBron's legs because they're not giving him the two-week pass to go off on vacation because everybody complained, I spent all my money to go to this game and LeBron didn't show up. Too bad. Too bad. That's life. Go to another game. Life's Yay. not fair sometimes. Big lessons that you learn along the way. I wonder if it's not Ty Lu who's gone before this is all said and done, if he doesn't end up becoming the fall guy out of this. You've got Isaiah and Kevin Love, whether they've truly got beef or it's much ado about nothing, calling him out for being sick or asking where he was. You know, little, little needles. But to me, it always comes back to, like LeBron James got like the strings. He's the the guy running, uh, he's Geppetto. He's running the marionettes here. here. And and all nothing falls back on him, right? Everybody else is infighting. He's like, oh, look at this. So he's got it set up perfectly. Either he's the hero and he saves the day and they make well, a run towards the yeah. NBA Finals, or at the end, he can go Vegas blackjack dealer, clap his hand, say, see how dysfunctional all this is? I'm out. I mean, he, he, he certainly gets a pass, and rightfully so. Anytime you've been a part of seven straight teams that have gone to the NBA Finals just because of your presence, you certainly have some currency. I think the big thing when I'm looking at the Cavs, how do the pieces of the puzzle fit? I personally believe the style of play that they're attempting to try is not necessarily the best style that will get them not only to the finals, but to win the finals against the Golden State Warriors or even the Houston Rockets, whoever comes out the West. I think when you look at this team and the way they're constructed, they're trying to play up-tempo fast. They want to shoot a lot of threes. But I think for them to win, they're going to have to be a grinded-out team because you're not going to outshoot the Warriors. You're not going to outshoot the Rockets. And so we will see. And with IT, I think the big thing with IT is he's an isolation player. On a team of isolation players, his ball pounding 
dribbling incessantly at the top of the key <laughs> while everyone is standing around watching. Yeah, it's probably frustrating because he doesn't have the ability to necessarily get other shots. The difference with Kyrie, Kyrie could dribble and bounce the ball all day, but he could get people shots because he create. We're trying to see if IT can do that in that uh, situation in Cleveland. And remember, he's only been playing with them now two, three weeks, right? He's still, yeah, coming, off, he's the still coming off the big injury, and I, he came back earlier than I think most expected. Yeah, and he's still trying point. to fit him in. He's still trying to get the rotation. They changed the starting lineup, moving people in and out. J.R. Smith hasn't played as well as he has played in the past. Still trying to figure out Dwayne Wade coming off the bench and all those things. Tristan Thompson trying to find his way. And there's always the Kevin Love factor. We love to hate on Kevin Love because when – he gets Kevin beaten Love, down he's pretty easy. easy. He's, he's an easy, easy target. He's an easy target because yeah. he rarely fights back. That's why he catches so much. If he would just go off one time, and we saw him throw the towel at one of his teammates' faces, that, that, that was kind of maybe – Over the top of over, Jeff Green. That over, was a little bit much. That, 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 that might have been, been a little passive-aggressive retaliation towards all the conversation that's coming out of the locker room. Well, eventually you're going to get chippy and start fighting back. Yeah, I say Ty Lue and the, uh, perhaps that number one pick are the things that get traded. IT's there at least for the, uh, the short term after the season, could all blow up. All right, all right. I like you guys. Bucky did come out firing, and maybe it's beginner's luck, but he gets that first round. There you go. He's got the first win. There you go. I did like both your arguments, though, guys. All right, we'll we'll battle back. Round two comes up next hour. Uh, But coming up next, we're going to take a quick tour around the New England Patriots camp. Back at practice, Gronkowski, health, how we're looking and getting ready, especially knowing those coordinators are leaving. Uh, Nora Pinciotti for the Boston Globe joins us next. It's Fox Sports Sunday. Mike Harmon alongside Bucky Brooks in for Dan Byer coming in from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Patriots camp coming up next. Welcome back in Fox Sports Sunday. Mike Harmon alongside Bucky Brooks. Dan Byer en route to Minneapolis. Ready to get some mauling done at the Mall of America. He'll be part of the coverage leading up to Super Bowl 52 all this week. Live from Minneapolis here. Keep it locked on Fox Sports Radio. All the interviews, all the breakdowns, all the news and notes from practice fields and certainly the press availabilities can't wait to see what kind of mood bill belichick is in as the week (laughs) rolls on but we'll get some early coverage right because we've had a week of activity so we'll head out to the hotline covering the patriots for the boston globe nora princiati joins us you can find her on twitter at nora princiati well you don't have to worry about the the tape on tom brady's hand anymore i guess it's now just everybody stalking gronkowski Pandemonium is over. We've got, I don't have a good name for it. That's pretty good, though. I like that. There's no gate associated, so you win for creativity. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Hello. (laughs) I'll give give you the W. (laughs) So it's all Gronkowski this week, right? Now everything that that he does, football-related, I guess that's the, the intrigue and watching the injury report for any update on him. Yes, it is. And it seems like, and I've said this all week, that... I'm very wary to give like clear predictions when it comes to guys dealing with concussions sure. because you never know, and everyone is different, and, and people react to you know bizarre things. But it seems like he is nearing the end of the concussion protocol because he was at practice yesterday, which means that he is either in stage four or stage five, and it's a five-step process. Stage four is non-contact football activity. Stage five is a full contact practice, and if he, quote-unquote, displays tolerance of that activity as judged by 
the team doctor, then he is cleared of the concussion protocol and is good to go. So the fact that he's either in four or five after a week and he's got two weeks, I would say that that points to him being available for the game. Man, that's, that bodes well for the Patriots if they get their number one offensive weapon back. Um, so that's been a bit of a distraction. One of the other distractions that has come up, they may lose both of their coordinators following the Super Bowl. Josh McDaniels is expected to be hired by the Indianapolis Colts. Matt Tri- Patricia is also expected to go to the Detroit Lions. How is the team handling the prospect of their coordinators going on? Has it been much of a distraction when it comes to the preparations for Super Bowl 52? They are pretending it does not exist. <laughs> so, and, you know, that, that goes a couple of ways, right? Because it's, it's kind of classic Patriots that, you know, what head coach job opening? I don't, we've done this before. <laughs> it's just the same process. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, Josh McDaniels, I think it's having his, uh, just had his second meeting with the Colts. So that's pretty much, and same with Patricia and the Lions. Those things are pretty much wrapped up. Um, you know, they will likely, and I wouldn't say, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't mean 90% likely because I don't know. I don't know that they know at this point, but it seems likely that they will promote from within. Chad O'Shea, wide receivers coach, could end up the offensive coordinator. Brian Flores, the linebackers coach, could end up the defensive coordinator. So for them, you know, that adds an element of smooth sailing. It helps that they've done this before, but still... They are, you know, whether they win or lose in the Super Bowl, in a few weeks' time, the New England Patriots as an organization are going to be going through a ton of change. But right now they're just burying their heads in the sand and saying, we don't know, we don't know, that's not happening. We're focused on the Eagles. Well, sure, it's always on to the next next team, as it were. But, you know, going off the Seth Wickersham article and all the way through, is have you noticed any change in how they're dealing just – even with you, the the media covering them these past couple of weeks, or is it just as we would perceive the the Patriots to be just onward and upward? You know, pretty much everything has been as normal, and and that's been the case all year. You know, there had been rumblings even before that story, mostly to do with Alex Guerrero, Tom Brady's trainer, Mm -hmm. um, just because we did know that he'd been kicked off the team flights and he wasn't around anymore and that was something that you could could notice as a reporter who who sees the team every day because you know a guy you're used to seeing all the time all of a sudden is is very scarce um and it was very clear that something happened with the jimmy garoppolo trade just because it defied most of the tenets of patriot logic in terms of the return that they got for him you know not maximizing the value of an asset but, in, you know, no one is blowing up at each other. There is no, no, you know, palpable tension in the locker room. I think there were parts, and, and to my knowledge, pretty much everything, um, everything in that ESPN piece, I either can't confirm or deny or I know is true. The one thing that I would say is, was a little, I, I didn't relate to or hadn't seen was some of the stuff about, Brady sort of being a diva and being very aloof toward his teammates, they make fun of that guy all the time. Like, it's it's a pretty, you know, they make fun of him for being old. They tease him <laughs> that, you know, people think he's cool because he's married to a supermodel, but he's not that cool. <laughs> and it's a pretty loose, comfortable thing. I've never seen a rookie call him sir. 
So, which was one of the things that it, that supposedly happened, um, (laughs) according to that piece. So while I think a lot of the underlying things in there are very real, the environment does not seem different. Yeah. I was most curious that suddenly we had 12 anonymous sources when nobody's ever said a word. Right, it's always been radio silence, and suddenly we've had all these voices. I theorize it might be one or two guys with multiple personalities. Well, maybe, although, you know what I would say is that, look, Jimmy goes out to San Francisco and starts lighting it up, and I do think people in the building start looking at each other and going, oh, man, (laughs) this is going to be a punchline. The fact that we traded Jimmy Garoppolo for a second-round pick is going to be a punchline in a year or two. Let's start. Maybe I want to start getting my narrative out there for why it happened, why it wasn't my fault, why, you know, XYZ people were more responsible than ABC people for this trade that could, you know, end up being widely mocked or even maybe credited as sort of the beginning of the end of, of this dynasty. So I don't know. That's, that's my theory on that is that there were a few people who maybe wanted to get out in front of that. Uh, to think about the dynasty and to bring the focus to the game, what is being talked about about the Philadelphia Eagles? Um, what are the Patriots said about them? What scares them about facing this Eagles team in Super Bowl Fifty Two? Uh, I think you know it's, it's mostly the defense. And look, I mean, if Nick Foles ends up looking the way that Nick Foles looked in the NFC Championship game, then saying that it's mostly the defense will end up being a little bit, you know, not quite on the mark. Um, but I don't think that they are, you know, that's not the first breath for anybody when they, when they player wise, coach wise, when they talk about who they're thinking about, you know, it's, it's mostly that defensive front. Um, they just have, you know, they have the capability to kind of wreck a game and that's the underlying thread in most Patriots playoff losses is that a team had a really good defensive front that got to Brady got to him with interior pressure, you know, it's not, it's not all that different how you beat him as opposed to how you beat any other good quarterback. It's just maybe that the level of execution needs to be even higher because even when he seems like he's dead, he's not. But I do think that they're pretty wary of that pass rush, just how deep they are, um, how fresh they can stay late into a game because, you know, they've got guys like Chris Long and Derek Barnett who – would be starters on on most teams, um, but who are effectively rotational guys just because of how many how many guys they have up front. Um, and obviously, you know, Fletcher Cox is sort of if you want to point to one guy who can be that game wrecker, he he certainly is able to do that. Uh, and then on offense, I think it's it's the run game. Um, the Patriots' defense has not been great against the run. It's more been the sort of shifty, pass-catching, versatile backs who have given them the most trouble. Uh, The Eagles are a little bit more of a a power run game. But still, that's, you know, particularly playing with a backup quarterback, that's a strength of the Eagles' offense going against the weakness of the Patriots' defense. Um, So I think they're wary of that, particularly because Philly does so much with misdirection and motion and, and the run-pass option plays that sometimes can get their heads a little scrambled, which is what's led to 
some of the issues that they've had with the run is just not anticipating it and, and not having the edge set and playing so preventatively that they end up giving, you know, giving a lot up the middle. Um, so I think those are the things that mainly they're thinking about. But, you know, you can really run down the list with Philly because it's a really deep team. So they've also got to worry about Zach Ertz, and, and it goes on and on. It's a fun breakdown. Certainly the excellence of execution given to us this morning. Nora Princiati from the Boston Globe. She's got, well, enough winter gear, I'm sure, from Boston to weather the Minneapolis cold. We look forward to talking to you from Minnesota this week, Nora. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks for taking the time. Appreciate that. Nora Princiati, at Nora Princiati on Twitter. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Mike Harmon alongside Bucky Brooks in for Dan Byer. We'll continue with that line because I saw Bucky is is – started shaking his pennies. He's got some ideas on this game. We'll continue with that next, but first we have to step out to Isaac Lowenkron, find out what's the latest in the world of sports. Michael and Bucky, good morning. On September 5th, 2013, the London newspaper The Evening Standard ran a column entitled, quote, Roger Federer must say farewell to tennis now to avoid damaging his legend, unquote. How'd that one work out? Today down under, Federer won his 20th Grand Slam title, defeating Marin Cilic in five sets for his sixth Australian Open Championship. Hey, great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to GEICO. Go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. In the NBA Saturday night, the Golden State Warriors and Boston Celtics put on a show, Steph Curry in particular. Curry up the floor with a minute 45 to go. Deep three off the dribble. Got it! Tim Roy, the call on 95.7. The game as the Warriors defeated the Celtics 109-105. Curry scored 49, including 13 in the final minute 42. He also knocked down eight three-pointers. Kyrie Irving scored 37 for the Celtics. Finally, guys, LeBron James among those entertained, tweeting last night, quote, Kyrie Irving and Steph Curry just simply amazing. Sheesh, man, unquote. Michael and Bucky, back to you. Thank you, Isaac. Appreciate that. Welcome back. Fox Sports Sunday. Mike Harmon alongside Bucky Brooks talking with you here on a Sunday morning. You find Bucky on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. Find me over at Swollen Dome. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part? Figuring out which way is easier. We're going to get back into the Cavs locker room discussion here in a, in a couple of minutes. Uh, trying to figure out who the fall guy is in all of this. It, the obvious is Kevin Love standing there waving at you. But continuing just a little bit with uh, as we were talking with Nora Princiati of the Boston Globe just a few minutes ago, breaking down all the things New England is looking at defensively when it goes to Philadelphia, and certainly we we look at Ajayi and Legarrette Blunt, two vastly different running backs that you have to prepare for. Allen Branch is back, but does that solve what you need to? Certainly, against Blunt, you now have force on force, so a little bit of that. But she talked about hey, not setting the edge. You give Ajayi any kind of seam, and, and he's gone for days. And then you start getting into the downfield game. 
But I want to spin it back towards the NFC title game and because now we're all trying to figure out exactly what Nick Foles is, right? People are already projecting towards 18 and beyond of where is he the quarterback, some dopes to calling for the trade of Carson Wentz, saying, oh, we got our guy. Look at him. He's carving people up against the top defense. But I have to wonder, the week leading up to the NFC title game, Bucky, it was just time and again, the only graphic that anybody had on, on Nick Foles was his inability to te- complete the deep ball. And then suddenly, here they are, flea flickers and winging it downfield. So Minnesota caught caught sleeping a little bit defensively here? Uh, I think the big thing that happened, uh, Doug Peterson and his staff deserves a lot of credit because there was a lot of panic in Philadelphia that set in about Nick Foles when he had to take over for Carson Wentz. The beautiful thing that happened for the Philadelphia Eagles, it happened at the right time of the season. It happened with a few games left in the regular season, and they also had the benefit of a bye week. The extra week, and sure. during that bye week, they were able to sit down and reassess their offense with Nick Foles at the, Nick Foles at the helm. And what they were able to do is to go back and look at some tape from 2013 when he had an outstanding year, 27 mm-hmm. touchdowns, only two interceptions. And they featured a lot of the same elements and concepts that he ran with Chip Kelly. So the RPOs that everyone is talking about, we heard Nora talk about it uh, vividly, run-pass option plays where the quarterback is able to put the ball in the belly of the running back. He's able to read a designated defender. If the defender chases the ball, he's then able to pull it out and find the receiver running a quick route. Um, If the defender stays in place, he hands the ball off to a die or LeGarrette Blunt, and they're able to run the play. It is something that we see on Friday nights in high school, Saturdays in college, but the Philadelphia Eagles have been able to take that and help Nick Foles find his groove because that's what he did under Chip Kelly. They also featured some of his best routes that he was able to throw under Chip Kelly. And when I went back and I looked, because I just wrote about this on NFL.com, three keys to the Eagles' victory, uh, what I found, Nick Foles has been killing it by throwing the ball 10 yards or under meaning the majority of his throws in the last couple games have come within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage or even behind the line of scrimmage. So really beating teams by throwing it quick and allowing his playmakers to win games. Not, not unlike what the Patriots do time unlike, and time again. Not unlike what the Patriots do, not unlike what Drew Brees has done. They have found out that by playing quick, by playing short and underneath ball, they're able to really be efficient and move the chains. Nick Foles has been able to do that uh in the championship game in particular, but even in the game against Atlanta, he has found his groove. And because of that, Philadelphia is dangerous. The trick for the New England Patriots is this. They play man-to-man. They play tight man-to-man all over the field. They're a team that plays what you were here called, quote-unquote, one rat, meaning that they're going to play cover one. Everyone is man-on-man. They're going to have a safety in the middle of the field, and they're also going to have a designated defender sitting right around 10 to 12 yards to cut or intersect any of those crossing routes. Can their guys on the outside win against the Philadelphia Eagles receivers? That is what this battle is going to come down to. If they can hold up, then they'll make life miserable for Nick Foles. But if they can't, Nick Foles could have another big day. And you have to remember, early in the year, the the New England Patriots defense struggled in their man coverage, the communication, uh, dealing with bunch and cluster formations. We will see if Doug Peterson can bring out some of that stuff. and We will also see if he will copy some of the things that the Jacksonville Jaguars did, did very early in the game with their RPOs to have a lot of success. 
Yeah, the first month, as folks remember, with New England, uh, absolutely brutal watching defensively. Guys looking lost, a lot of pointing. Not necessarily the shouting that sometimes follows <laughs> on, on sidelines, but certainly a lot of finger-pointing of, hey, you're supposed to be com- covering me over the top. A lot of communication issues, as you mentioned. But you, you go to the, the that side, the Jacksonville game. Very in- innovative play calling by Hackett in the first half. The bunch formations, absolutely. moving things back and forth. The one stat that I've been asking for a week, and I haven't gotten anybody to give me a good answer. Maybe you're that man. Why no design runs for for Blake Bortles, who'd been averaging 35, 40 yards a game? Why why was that not part of the arsenal? He finishes, what, two carries, negative yeah. two yards officially? Uh, it's kind of surprising that he didn't run as much because running had kind of gotten Blake Bortles into his groove right, and in, in the previous game. It opened he, things he up. Now, I will say with some of the RPOs that they were running, they were electing to throw the bubble screen part of the concept as opposed to handing the ball off or having Blake Bortles gives. And so sometimes it can be a numbers read. It could be how the reaction of the end man defender reacts that determines whether he keeps it or whether he throws it. But you would like to see them do more of the design runs. Now, with Nick Foles, because Nick Foles isn't a runner, I certainly would expect them to really challenge the Patriots on the perimeter with a lot of RPOs, but with the bubble screen attached, meaning you may see two receivers, you may see three receivers in a close alignment. One of those guys will kind of step off the line. You'll see the quarterback fire quickly out there, and it ends up becoming a toss sweep in essence. Sure. And so the Patriots struggled with that part of – the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, nobody bothered to cover Yeldon all through the playoffs. No. Somehow that guy's standing by himself time and again. That's what he does. And what was surprising, Jacksonville didn't go back to it in the second half. Nor did they run play clock. No. They were running plays with 20 seconds left out of the clock. I I know it's too late late (laughs) to do the revisionist history on that game, but the thing that was perplexing to me, at the end of the game, everyone was like, oh, they got to play to win, not to lose. They need to let Blake Bortles far away. Well, they were letting Blake Bortles far away. That was the problem. And he was was firing (laughs) incompletion, so they didn't have an opportunity to run out the clock. If you run the play, if you run the ball three straight times, you run about two and a half, 245 off the clock. And the way that game played out, they needed to burn those sacks. I'm not take saying take the air out of the ball. Take the air going. out of the ball. Their defense has been their strength. And you also, with the Patriots, you have to win the field position game. Two of the Patriots scoring drives were really a byproduct of multiple pass interferences. And then at the end, it was the benefit of a nice punt return by Danny Amendola, Amendola playing on a short field. They got a ball at the 30 yard line. If you think you're going to stop Tom Brady from scoring with the ball at the 30 and the game's on the line, it's not going to happen. We've seen it too often. Fox Sports Sunday, Mike Harmon alongside Bucky Brooks is in for Dan Byer. Find him on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. I'm over at Swollen Dome. And we're coming to you live from the Geico Studios. Coming up next, we'll get it back into the Cavaliers locker room and we'll get a visit from Isaac Lowenkron and find out what happened while you were sleeping last night. This is Fox Sports Radio. There's a better way to buy home insurance with Progressive's new Home Quote Explorer tool. Get a custom quote and a great rate all online. See for yourself how much you could save at Progressive.com. Yeah, next week everybody will be dancing along and thinking about trolls. Okay, the the trolls that will be out in full force to critique anything Justin Timberlake does during his halftime performance. Fox Sports Sunday, Mike Harmon alongside Bucky Brooks. Dan Byer en route to Minneapolis. Going to give us an update of his shopping expedition there in the Mall of America, I'm sure. Uh, Highlights from the Orange Julius 
as Jonas Knox dubbed it, uh, capital of the world. But we'll get to that in a moment. It's time, Bucky, to do what we, we like to do at this time each and every Sunday morning as we step out to Isaac Lohenkron. And we find out what happened while you were sleeping. Good morning, Isaac. Good morning, Michael and Bucky. This is the theme music they saddle me with week. We celebrate it. After week, after week. Yeah, you know what? To be honest, nice. I kind of yeah. grown on me. But it's nice and smooth getting into a Sunday morning. Easy groove. Maybe it people is. getting a little long stretch in their beds before tackling the day. Well, speaking of that, these items are so up to date that our listeners should only consider them while you were sleeping, if they were still sleeping five minutes ago. So that would mean that they are currently stretching in their beds. First of all, Ian Rappaport of NFL Media just reporting moments ago that earlier this week, Tom Brady had the 12 stitches on his throwing hand removed that he played with in the AFC Championship game, so he is good to go for Super Bowl 52 with those stitches out of there. Now, Brady is also the subject of a five-part Facebook Watch documentary called Tom versus time chapter one released just a couple of days ago got eight million views chapter two is dropping today at noon eastern time just over two hours from now and the trailer for chapter two has just been released so let's listen to a clip of it as brady details his mental preparation listen i watched it all day Monday, all day Tuesday. You know, Wednesday we practice, Thursday we practice, Friday we practice, and I come home and I watch film. Then Saturday before the game I watch film, and then Sunday morning I watch film. You know, if you want to perform at the highest level, then you've got to prepare at the highest level. All those binders is just logs of information. You'd think we were like launching rockets. Best on go route, stiff and off balance. We're in transition. We took advantage of all those things. So that's a taste, and I watched the complete chapter one, and I actually thought it was kind of vapid because it portrayed <laughs> him as a god instead of a human being. However, this, watching the trailer, I'm a little more excited to watch it because it shows his serious mental preparation. In fact, I'm looking at a screen grab of his video that he analyzes on his laptop, which is a Dell, by the way, for whatever it's worth, and he has all these <laughs> Product folders. placement, yeah, buddy. Yeah, he, he's getting ready for a, a game against the Chiefs, and he has all these folders of video. KC, defensive game 17, defensive cut-up 17, practice 17, defensive game 16, coverage cut-ups, offensive meetings, offensive meetings hot slash defensive backs. So I think for hot, hot nerds, defensive backs. There you go. Yeah, I'm hoping it means hot routes and not anything else. But I, I think that this one released today will hopefully give fans more of an insight as to what makes him stay at such a high level, which is mental preparation like this and instead of fluff stuff. There you go. We were just talking about memorabilia and stuff. I wonder if those 12 stitches are going to be available on eBay or inserted into a trading card. Thanks, Isaac. <laughs> I'll do a, I'll do a search right now. Yeah, see if you can find that on eBay. <laughs> but I know a couple of guys that have worked on that said it was an interesting... I watched it. ...to get some access. I was watched it. I was fascinated by it. I think, obviously, he has the secret sauce as one of the greatest players to ever play the game, and so I was fascinated by his preparation. He has an edge. He is willing to do things that others aren't, and I think that's why he's been so successful in this league. See, I was thinking I'd just binge watch it when all five came out because if I go onto Facebook and and I start looking for the the video components, I might end up watching a Ball Brothers game or something with LeVar Ball (laughs) instead. I I don't know. It could sidetrack me, Bucky. (laughs) I mean, the Ball Brothers also have a major currency on Facebook, but why not watch them all? Watch them all. Watch everything. I got to sleep sometime. (laughs) 
not a well i am part robot which is you know like Titan brady all i'm doing is watching tape watching film and reading more and more stories about this fun and exciting world we got a week till super bowl 52 we'll get into that as the show develops this is fox sports sunday on fox sports radio Welcome back in. Fox Sports Sunday continues. Mike Harmon alongside Bucky Brooks coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com. Get yourself a free rate. Quote, Dan Byer on the road towards Minneapolis. He'll be reporting live all week as part of Fox Sports Radio's coverage of Super Bowl 52. Keep it tuned here for the best interviews, the excitement and shenanigans from around the Mall of America and all around the great Minneapolis-St. Paul area. I can't wait to see what the final results are. I, I bought futures in Gore-Tex, Bucky, because of this <laughs> because of this Super Bowl expedition. All of those West Coast riders that have not seen weather in, in quite some time, except for you know a, a road trip where they go hide in a, in a box here, they're going to have to get around Minneapolis, which means sales of sweaters and coats uh, through the roof this week. Uh, yes, it's, <laughs> it's going to be a chilly one. Uh, I'm curious to see all my buddies that are going up to Minneapolis to kind of hang out and do the normal radio row thing and the party deal. I'm just curious how how different how different the scene will be. A little, little different animal. I'm sure by Thursday and Friday, people will be a bit more ornery than they are <laughs> You think we have a feisty crowd because uh, everyone is cold and miserable? And, yeah, and guys will be sniffling on air because they didn't dress appropriately or they didn't want to you know, wrinkle their suit coat by putting on a top coat or or something to, to keep warm. So all of a sudden we'll have issues. Uh, a lot of knit cap sales uh, in the offing as well. Uh, we're coming to you live from the Geico Studios, as I said. It's Fox Sports Sunday. You can find Bucky on Twitter, at Bucky Brooks. Find me over at Swollen Dome. We talked a little bit in the first hour about the Cleveland Cavaliers and Isaiah Thomas as he's rolled through and he's been back on the court for the last couple of weeks. Drama, he and Kevin Love – Ty Lu a little bit never didn't get the hug from LeBron James publicly that you've normally seen him have his coaches back kind of just left it hanging out there about his future uh, and so when we're we're looking at this team it, it it is only late January we've got what another two and a half months of actual NBA regular season action so plenty of times for things to coalesce and gel mm-hmm. and and get those rotations down and let's face it. As much as we love LeBron James and what he brings to the court, it, he's not satisfied unless there's something stirring, right? Because uh, that keeps him in the news. That keeps his name out there. And normally he's not the focal point, right? It's all the peripheral guys that get the heat along. It's just he's standing there going, hey, look, I can only do so much. My numbers are there. You see it every <laughs> night. Because I mean, he, play, he plays the box scorecard. With great regularity with the local media, he, he does. He does. I mean, look, I, I I'll admit he he appears to always like a little bit of drama um, that's circulating around the squad. Sometimes he uses the media to spill to kind of get his message out to his teammates. Uh, there's always a lot of stuff around him. You talk about playing the box scorecard. He does fill the stat sheet pretty much on a nightly nightly basis. I think the big thing for the Cavs and LeBron and the rest of his teammates is they got to figure out a way to get you on the same page. This is a team that is completely revamped. Uh, they brought in a bunch of new pieces, and they're trying to find their identity and the right playing style for how they want to go forward. And so it's a work in progress. I think we would be we're kind of overreacting a little bit because I don't think it matters to them what seed they have if they're the first, second, third, fourth seed, whatever. Um, I truly believe they feel like they can be any of the teams in the East, and their eyes 
are squarely on whichever team is going to come out the West. And I think the West is very, very competitive. Not only with Golden State doing what Golden State does, but with the Houston Rockets looking like a legit force. Are you yeah. trusting Chris Paul when it's all said and done? Uh, yeah, the in, reason, in, I, in, the reason in, I trust in him in this situation is yeah. because now uh, Chris Paul and James Harden are able to be interchangeable parts. They're able to kind of be 1A and 1B when it comes to playing point guard. So I don't think you see Chris Paul doing as much heavy lifting as he used to do with the Los Angeles Clippers. And I don't think you see James Harden having to do as much as he did last year with the Rockets. I think this works out. The key will be, can they continue to play defense like they've been able to play defense of late? If they do it, they don't have a chance to knock off the Golden State Warriors. That game they played last weekend was outstanding. I think it was a preview. No, and, that, and, that's, and that's the thing is that we've gotten a few of those. And let's face it, as football wa- starts winding down, you start ramping up the storyline. Certainly the trade deadline yep. hanging out there. Do the Cavaliers trade that pick and go all in, knowing LeBron could walk this summer? And so that, that adds a little element of drama to it all as well. Or do they shuffle up the cast of characters? Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas and Kevin Love, that's been one of the – the little undercard kind of stories that's floated throughout the week. You know, everybody keeps reposting that photo. Remember when Kevin Love was towering over him when they were <laughs> younger and, and making big deals like Kevin Love pulls down a rebound and then do, does a two-hand handoff <laughs> to Isaiah Thomas. Oh, what does that mean? That's terrible. Hey, so, now, throwing the throwing the shirt and towel over the top of Jeff Green I thought was a little bit much. A little, little much. A little much. Little much. Uh, Jeff Green, did, I, I was waiting for him to throw down. I thought that would have been entertaining, even if it was just WWE style, because then that becomes the story, right? It's like yes. Tom Brady's thumb. Nobody paid attention to anything else going on with the Patriots for an entire week or with the Jaguars, for that matter. Jalen Ramsey could have been flapping his gums 24 hours a day. It didn't matter. It was all, what's going on with the thumb of Tom Brady? Hey, Tom, thumbs up, thumbs down. You know, all of that kind of stuff. Same thing here. They could have made that the story if they wanted to just play that up, and then they can go back and and do their work. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's amazing how uh, we do have a tendency to focus on storylines and not all of the stuff, but that's what we're supposed to do. That's our, our thing that, you know, in a hot take culture, we're supposed to have hot takes and talk about it. Well, especially, um, I mean, you look at the NBA, though, and look where we're at. We're in late January, and what are we saying? Here's these three, maybe four teams. And that, we do that with the NBA every year, right? We we have a board here in out in the, the hallway where for the NFL – you're throwing darts, and the general rule of thumb is you can't take the low-hanging fruit, which means yep. don't pencil in New England all the way. Yes. Don't put down that Cleveland's going to be the worst team. Pick something else on the board, right? So I'll, I'll own it. With Jacksonville, I thought they did a lot of good defensively. Didn't know if it would translate to wins because at the time we made the picks, mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette's ankle was a huge concern, and they really slow-played that very well before the season. Oh, I want absolutely. to give them great credit yes. uh, for that, and even through trusted reporters, they got that message out loud. Yep. They're like, ah, we don't know if he's going to be ready. So, like, But for the NBA, it's the same thing. We can write it in Sharpie that here are the only contenders for the crown and everybody else is is chattel. So when we're at late January, we can have any kind of storyline, right? It's like, hey, we'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's that's part of it. And the intrigue, I think the intrigue surrounding the Cavs, they've been able to lord over the Eastern Conference, uh, whether they play well or not, because they have the best player, uh, arguably the best player in the world, in LeBron James. And you wonder, you just wonder, can teams like the Boston Celtics, can teams like the Toronto Raptors, can they legitimately take them down when we've seen them time and time again fall short? With the Golden State Warriors, when we look at the storyline, it's just a matter, are they bored? Are they engaged? Uh, because when they're engaged, they're clearly the best team in basketball. By far, exactly. And so their A game exceeds 
the combined eight games of any of the teams. And so it's just that you're trying to find a way to maybe avoid, what is it, four times seeing well, the, that's it. How do you beat the them Cavs and, and Warriors? I mean, but even that, I mean, we, we don't, I don't think we celebrate the dynastic runs. Oh, no. And we, like we, we used to, right? No, like, because we, we look back fondly over Lakers and Celtics and we and we get excited about that. We talk about the Steelers and Cowboys yep. in the 70s and, and and what what a big deal that was. Yet now when the Patriots win, it's how many negative stories and how much I hate the Patriots is 90% bit. of the coverage. A little a little boredom and and maybe there's some obnoxiousness that comes with it. Maybe we feel like we're growing tired of the Boston well, there, because there is that. A, they've had a huge been, run. It, it's been yes. a great run for what the last 15 years the Red Sox have been Terrific. The Patriots have dominated. The Bruins have won. And then you've even seen the Celtics win and come back to prominence. So, yeah, right now, maybe there's some city envy. Everyone wants to be a part of a little bit the of tribe that. and the tribe that is always kind of hoisting the trophy. And right now, Boston has it going on. The hatred of Tom Brady will be one of the storylines of the next week. Again, if you find those stitches on eBay or on Craigslist or, or an appropriate selling site... And you can authenticate them. Let me know. Uh, we'll be curious to find out exactly the whereabouts or what museum they end up as part of the Boston Shrine. Fox Sports Sunday, Mike Harmon and Bucky Brooks with you. It's time for round two, hot takes and sausage. Bucky took round one as we talked a little bit about the Cavaliers. Now let's get into round two. Robert Dasmati joins us back, our executive producer. Robert, what's round two? All right, so it's going to be a college football question, a specific Josh Allen question. So this might be in Bucky's wheelhouse here, but we'll see what we can do. So earlier this week, guys, on Monday, Josh Allen appeared on 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland, and he was asked about uh, whether or not he'd like to go to the Browns and what he can expect in the draft, and this is what he had to say. I'm a huge competitor, and I'm, I'm going to win anything that I do. So if I'm fortunate enough to become a Cleveland Brown, you can't expect everything from me because I want to be the guy that you know turns around the Cleveland Browns. And you know, I kind of jokingly say it like the guy who's able to do that is going to be immortalized in Cleveland forever. For sure. And to think about that and trying to put yourself in that situation and in those shoes, you know, you got to love that as a quarterback. You got to love that as a as a football player and a competitor. All right, Mike, so I'm going to toss the question to you first. Do you think the Cleveland Browns should consider Josh Allen's excitement and confidence on whether or not they're going to draft him? Well, they could consider it. I, it's nice to hear, but what else is he going to say? Right? <laughs> In draft day, Bo Callahan told Kevin Coster everything he needed to. Right? He, he, he had line for line what he needed to. I like the immortalized like the use of that, he obviously was watching the NFC title game and seeing all the shots of the Rocky statue. Going, oh, I could go for that. I could go for that. And maybe he was talking, you know, reading about Elgin Baylor getting a statue, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. If you talk about getting a statue enough, they'll build one up for you. Uh, yes, it, I guess it's a consideration given all of the, the scuttlebutt of other quarterbacks not necessarily wanting to be. Uh, that guy in Cleveland, given their history. But what is that, 1%? Hey, he said the right thing on a radio station. No, it's all about his interviews. It's all about what he did here at the Senior Bowl. He's got a long road before you'd be sitting there going, whether he's number one or number four or whatever that you decide to do with that that pick. I, I think it, it's a nice talking point. And, and again, the word immortalized – I like that he's got that the swagger that you want out of a quarterback, but how much does that weight does that hold? In the end, if it doesn't work out 
tape-wise and what you're seeing in terms of how he's relating to all these other parts of the process, then it really doesn't matter, and it just becomes a nice little bite for us to play here on the radio. How many times have we heard guys go to Cleveland saying the same thing? Oh, I love it. I'm sure we heard Brandon Whedon. We talked about Johnny Menzel. We've heard Deshaun Kaiser, Cody Kessler, Kevin Hogan, uh, Josh McDowell. I mean, you want to go all the way through that every, giant every, jersey bucket? Every, everybody <laughs> is ready to turn around the Cleveland Browns. They got the magic formula. They got the secret sauce. They're going to be able to get it done. Josh Allen, I give him credit. He wants to be the number one overall pick, and rightfully so. There's a lot of money that comes with that. But what he sounded like in that is a used car salesman. <laughs> How can I get you in this car today? What can I tell you to make you feel good about purchasing this? This is what he's selling to the Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns fans. We want a hero. This guy is going to lead us out of obscurity back into the land of prominence. I think the big thing you have to do if you're the Cleveland Browns, you really got to look at the tape and see, is this the guy that is capable of doing it? Does he have the right stuff to bring them back? And I'm going to say right now, Man, that's hard for me to buy as a number one overall pick. A guy who hasn't necessarily played consistently at a high level, particularly against elite competition, is going to be the the guy. There's so many other quarterbacks in this conversation, in this mix. You talk about Sam Donald playing at SC, Josh Rosen at UCLA, Baker Mayfield even at Oklahoma has put himself firmly in the conversation. And I can say confidently that in terms of being better football players, all of those guys deserve to be at the front of the line ahead of Josh Allen. It's wishful thinking. Maybe they bite. I just can't see them biting it at Josh Allen at number one. Well, and you've shuffled up a lot of your front office, right? You brought in a lot of yeah, you got new green, dudes. green Bay guys that yep. lo- are going to look at things a different way, maybe not with the same desperation that Cleveland has in the past. Yeah. Right? And, you know, and, I mean, it's let's different. face it, guys have cycled in and out of those jobs, what, 12 to 18 months? That's all you've been getting. <laughs> yeah, you have a new crew. So now you have John Dorsey, Alonzo Highsmith, Elliot Wolf. Elliot Wolf, the son of Hall of Fame executive Ron Wolf. They all come from Green Bay. They all come from the Packaway. And having spent time in Green Bay three years when those guys were around, Elliot was around as the son of Ron. But I will say this all of their opinions around the quarterback are shaped by their experience with two quarterbacks, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And if you think about the way those two guys were able to elevate their franchise, the way they have been able to, at times, be single-handed warriors that could take the team on their back to the postseason, they're looking for a quarterback with those qualities. And so if we're talking about Josh Allen specifically, what they will ask is, did he elevate the play of Wyoming when he was the quarterback? Did he single-handedly take them to higher heights and, and get it done? And if we're hearing the conversation coming out that, oh, he didn't have the support in cash, he didn't have the guys to get it done, that's probably not what they want to entertain because they've seen two guys, number four and number 12, be able to do it regardless who's been around them. All they have to do is look at the 2017 results once Aaron Rodgers got hurt to show you everything you needed to there. We're going to talk more draft. Bucky put out his first-round mock. You don't want to miss this. The next couple of segments here on Fox Sports Radio, we're going to get to that. But Dasmati, give the score. All right, well, Mike, it came out real strong, but Bucky took it away with used car sales. No, as soon as so that they, phrase yeah, hit, that I knew I was yeah, done. Oh, right sound, there. Sound no, I, I knew I was done. <laughs> sound, sound bites. As, as, as soon bites. as he got his uh, little sound drop bites. in on the used car. I mean, well, it, really, that's all it was. How do, how do I sell you that I really want this job more than the other guys that are going to tell you the same thing? <laughs> that's really all it is. Every one of those quarterbacks is going in with is. the same speed. Like, that's what everyone is doing. Like, we had an opportunity to sit down with uh, Josh Allen and some of the other quarterbacks. And Josh Allen, for sure, he has been trained up on that part of 
the process. Well, he let's talk about that part of the process. It. We'll get, we'll get into that in just a minute. Bucky covered the Senior Bowl uh, all week long for NFL Network. We will get into that. It's Fox Sports Sunday. Mike Harmon, Bucky Brooks in for Dan Byer. And that's next on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back in Fox Sports Sunday. Mike Harmon alongside Bucky Brooks coming to you from the Geico Studios. You can dial us up, 877-996-6369, on Fox. Find us on Twitter, at Swollen Dome, at Bucky Brooks, of course, at Fox Sports Radio. Listen on the iHeartRadio app. Keep us close to your heart. Ha-ha. And take us wherever you go here on a Sunday. We appreciate you taking a few minutes with us along this fabulous journey. We've got a week until the Super Bowl. So what does that mean? We've got Pro Bowl later on today. We'll get into that when we play the feud in about 20 minutes from now. But let's continue on the the draft talk, Bucky. We are talking about the quarterbacks and and everybody trying to put their best foot forward and certainly coming from different levels of competition. And one of the big questions for Josh Allen has been, who did you face? And a lot of easy, well, he wasn't playing with NFL quality wideouts or NFL quality, you know, who's going to Wyoming, whatever else. And 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 that's that's fine to about, what, the 5% on the 100% meter. There, there's a lot of questions about the, the player himself, not just does he look the part – and can he fill the suit, right? Yeah, go I'm, back to our old Brady Bunch references and Johnny Bravo. Uh, <laughs> Yay, if you're of a certain age, you know what I'm talking about. Johnny but, Bravo, yeah. Uh, you know, you Yay. fit the suit. But for, for Josh Allen, I think he's got a lot more questions to answer about, he, than, he about than, than the others that we've seen on the stage. And the thing is, we're like everything that is happening from this point forward plays in his favor. Um, he won't play any football anymore. We won't get a chance to see him play. Um, against better competition, like this was it. And I said prior to the Senior Bowl that the Senior Bowl was tailor-made for him to actually use it as a springboard to make a rise up the charts because this uh, Senior Bowl is a very, very controlled environment, meaning that you're playing football against some of the top dudes in the country. However, you're playing against them in an environment where they only can play three coverages. They can play man-to-man. They can play cover three, which is three deep defenders, and they can play cover two. And so Josh Allen went into the game knowing that he wasn't going to face anything complex. He was going to play in a situation where he could be decisive and confident and let the ball go. And so if he can't dominate and kill it in that environment, he never will be able to do so. And so a lot of the people that were there who were on the fence with him wanted to see how he would handle the practices. Could he string together five, six, seven completions in a row and the ball not skip the ground or fly into the stands on an overthrow? Can he be a player that is decisive and confident when the things break down that he can get to the third and fourth read and a progression? Now, he flashed sometimes that he could do some of those things, but he still was very, very inconsistent with his accuracy and his ball placement. And if you ask any head coach about the one trait that your quarterback has to have, he has to be an accurate thrower because well, see, we got a lot of accuracy. float with him is is the problem, and and that's yes. not going to make you friends in the locker room with your wide receivers. Yes, if that's and, the case. And, and so, I don't know if he can improve that at the next level, but what he is is he's a fascinating watch because when he's on, he is everything that everyone wants at the position. But how often can he be on? And so, at a time when the league is so desperate for quarterbacks and so many guys fancy themselves as quarterback gurus, and I can fix any quarterback, he is going to be an intriguing guy because the possibilities of what he could become may outweigh what he's shown that he is. 
to this point. And we talk about the gurus. We talk about all of these changes to to try to cultivate that next round of quarterbacks. Who's still winning? The same guys that have been winning all through, yeah. right? I mean, you, you haven't seen a lot of turnover in in that regard. So what we we talk about players getting drafted early and they're expected to go in and fix what are sometimes just awful situations in terms of the personnel that they're surrounded by to where you wonder if you've ever really get a true read of how good no, you don't. A- they can play. No, you don't. And I think, like, here, here's the thing, and, and what you said and what you meant is, is really a, a prevailing thought. But the, the thing about that thought when you talk about who consistently wins, well, Tom Brady consistently wins. He's the only one that's really, really winning. Uh, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, all those old guard quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, I don't think any of those guys have multiples. Peyton Manning has two, and he has that second one on the strength of a defense. And so when you're looking at the way the game is changing, yes, the pocket passer to Drew Brees and the Tom Brady's are continuing to dominate, but part of the reason they're able to dominate is because their level of experience. When you play 15, 16, 17 years in the league, you've seen everything. Sure. But who are the young passers that are beginning to dominate, and how do you get those guys up and running? So if we just talk about two quarterbacks recently. We talk about Jerry Goff and Carson Wentz and guys that played at Pro Bowl levels. Well, what we saw from their coaches, they met them halfway. They put together systems that were very, very similar to what they were asked to do in college, and they surrounded them with veteran pass catchers, strong offensive lines, and strong defenses. You put any quarterback with a village around him, he's going to have success. And so the big buzz coming out of the Senior Bowl, how many of these coaches are willing to try and find coordinators who can duplicate or replicate the college systems that these quarterbacks played in. We heard Mike Vrabel try to steal or swipe the offensive coordinator from Ohio State to make it um, a quarterback-friendly offense for Marcus Mariota. I believe we're going to see more teams hire guys who have collegiate experience running these offenses to help build schemes around these young quarterbacks that are coming from these spread systems, these up-tempo systems that are dominate the high school ranks and the college ranks. Yeah, because we certainly here in Los Angeles, a lot a lot of folks had decided Jared Goff in the Jeff Fisher experience. Mm-hmm. That, that's the nice way to put it. It's like yep. a traveling road show because that's how a house of horrors that it was uh, in terms of what he tried to put together offensively. But I don't, I don't think enough credit's been given to the organization for what they did. Right. It's one thing to hire Sean McVay, and he becomes yep. the face of it, and obviously very popular this week because of the pictures of he and his girlfriend <laughs> on the beach. Hey, I, I got to, we're, to, we're to, a media to, business. I got to talk about To the winner goes the spoil. There you have it. But you, you bring him in, and I, I get it, scheme, but also just from a personnel standpoint, Buffalo West, right? Mm-hmm. You bring out Woods, who finally gets a chance to excel in a, in a system that works, and they right. don't like what they were running in Buffalo. And really, you see the domino effect of Absolutely. the ineffectiveness of certain organizations who want to stay grounded in the past and not use a guy like Tyrod Taylor is probably one of the best examples of quarterbacks who will be moving of you see when they allow him to be what what he can do, he He can play. Yes. But oftentimes like, nope, you will stand in the pocket and you will throw to a nondescript group of wide receivers because they traded anybody that had any value. You saw Marquise Goodwin suddenly, hey, he's not a sprinter. The guy can catch. Three guys, three guys, three guys that they let leave the building that went other places and had production. Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, and Marquise Goodwin, respectively. And then you wonder if Tyrod Taylor can play when you don't replace those guys with um, equal talents. Equal well, what, what would you have? You have Charles Clay, and he was hurt. 
And he was hurt. Like, like he was your number one guy, on, and he was hurt. You don't have anybody on the outside. And so, like, it, the thing about personnel and coaching, are you adaptable? Are you flexible? Do you have, have the ability to change what you're comfortable doing to do what is best for the players that you have? And some don't have that capacity. But as the league continues to trend and as we continue to see and hear coaches complain about, oh, the spread offense is killing football at every level, it's really not. In the National Football League, you have to figure out how to adapt it because your quarterback is not the only guy that's affected by playing in that offense, looking to the sideline, going no huddle. Your skill guys, your wide receivers run a limited amount of routes, right. but you expect them to come into the league and be able to learn how to run those other routes. Your offensive linemen are always in a two-point stance. They're not in a three-point. They don't fire off. They don't understand how to really get um, and win the leverage game and the run game. And so everyone has to adapt. You have to change your eye. And so the teams that have coaches and personnel people that can adapt, can adjust, and are versatile in terms of how they put together their teams and how they put together schemes, those are the ones that are going to consistently win because they understand how to play to the players. Changing face of the NFL. We'll get into Bucky's mock draft. Yes, first iteration. Look, it's early in the season. Very See early. See as things uh, progress along the way. But some interesting names atop the board. We'll get back into that in one minute. But first, we check in with Isaac Lowenkron, find out what's trending across the sporting universe. What's going on, Isaac? Michael and Bucky today down under. Roger Federer won his 20th Grand Slam title, defeating Marin Cilic in five sets for his sixth Australian Open Championship. And actually, Federer choked up afterwards during an emotional trophy presentation listen winning is just uh, an absolute dream come true the fairy tale um, continues uh, for us for me after the great year I had last year it's, it's incredible In the NBA Saturday night, the Golden State Warriors and Boston Celtics delivered thrill after thrill, with most thrills delivered, not surprisingly, by this guy. Curry up the floor with a minute 45 to go. Deep three off the dribble. Got it! Tim Roy, the call on 95.7 the game as the Warriors defeated the Seas 109-105. Curry scored 49 points, including 13 in the final minute and 42 seconds. He knocked down eight three-pointers in the game. Kyrie Irving, 37 for Boston. And one final note, Ian Rappaport of NFL Media reporting this morning that earlier this week, Tom Brady had the 12 stitches on his throwing hand removed, so he will play Super Bowl 52 stitch-free. Michael and Bucky? Thanks, Isaac. We'll continue to get updates from Isaac throughout the morning. It's good to have his voice back. It's good to hear you, Isaac. Thank uh, you. You know, instead of running around with the whiteboard. <laughs> That's right. Which was an interesting uh, dynamic. Uh, those listening uh, this morning who hear Isaac on our flagship AM570 LA Sports here during the week doing double duty, uh, the voice plus yelling at his kids, uh, all took its toll on him. So he was walking around with a whiteboard have a trying whole, to have conversations. Have a whole new respect for NBA coaches after running around with a whiteboard for a week. He'll start sounding like Doc Rivers in no time, bud. It's not Blake's fault. <laughs> well, just yell that a couple of times. That'll work for you. <laughs> Thanks, Isaac. All right, so let's get back into round one here, Bucky. Uh, as you laid out your mock draft, you, you make sure to point out, look, this is how from people you're talking to – people in the building over at NFL Network, how teams are thinking, not necessarily where a guy should go. And that's usually how we we have to distinguish that because there's a lot of ways and metrics by which people – some people are just throwing darts based on what they want to see. I try to apply, well, here's where 
to my mind, the biggest need is not that I'm, I have the voice or anybody whispering in my head except those of my own uh, demons. But when we go through this, it, it's the quarterbacks obviously get all the run, and we've t- mm-hmm. we discussed that. It's a quarterback-driven league, and everybody wants to find their next shiny new object in the draft. Now, for you, as you laid this out, you've got two quarterbacks in the top five, people here in Los Angeles looking at Sam Darnold to Cleveland. A lot of questions about the turnovers you had a turnover mm-hmm. at talent, certainly at USC, and the people he was playing with this time around. Did the turnovers come play big in terms of the evaluation, yeah. or do you look at just his size and all of those things like we talked about, Josh Rosen, can that win? I think the biggest thing Sam Donald has going for him, people buy into the effect that he brings to the table. Uh, his personality, the way he goes about his business, the way he's an everyman able to connect with everybody in the locker room, People really, really buy into his his leadership ability at the next level. Uh, when it comes to his playmaking, he's a guy that's more comfortable kind of playing on the move, playing impromptu, improvisational football. Uh, yes, he needs to manage the turnovers, and I'm really worried about the fumbles. I want to say led all of college football with the number of fumbles that he had. Um, but he's a gunslinger, and you have to know that when you take Sam Darnold, that you have to be able to live through some of the turnovers because – he is going to make plays on those same throws. It's a matter of him just being smart, understanding when to kind of dial it up and when to scale it back so he can play winning football. But when you talk to people, I believe the difference between Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, and we'll talk about Josh Rosen in a minute, Sam Darnold's a guy that in all 32 rooms, he'll be welcome. Now, is Sam Darnold, we, we've talked about it a little bit before, and this is behind the scenes, right, and, and lost, as we were talking about before, Cleveland changing out a lot of their personnel people mm-hmm. to Green Bay, and, and there's going to be a picture of Brett Favre sitting behind them, yeah, picture of Aaron Rodgers sitting over there. So Sam Darnold, for those that watch USC games, he exhibits a lot of that, that uh, Brett Favre he, mentality, particularly when they're down and right. you know, he, trying he has, to run that offense he and calm some of that. people he's, down. He's actually at his best when they're in the two-minute drill, when they're they're down and they need him to bring it back. You go back to the Texas game where we saw him bring him back. You go back to the Rose Bowl a year ago, he was able to bring his team back and make some spectacular throws under pressure. Some of that is certainly going to play well in the room in Cleveland. I also think what is going to help him, I fully expect the Cleveland Browns to take a veteran quarterback via trade, maybe Alex Smith, via free agent signing. Who knows if they're getting a Kirk Cousins deal. They need a veteran quarterback so they can win right away. And then that way they can bring Sam Donald at a very, very slow and steady pace. Remember, and I know Hugh Jackson's going to get beat up for his 1-31 record, but I will say this when it comes to a number one overall quarterback. He was on that staff in Cincinnati where they took Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer didn't play his first year. That first year they played John Kitna. Went 8-8. Then the next year Carson Palmer took over, and he's had an outstanding career. I think you could see a very, very similar pattern, a very similar blueprint, even though Hugh Jackson doesn't have complete autonomy in terms of personnel. I think that might be a more beneficial plan for Sam Darnold and the Browns to have a veteran leading the way and then Sam Darnold take over when he's ready. Well, especially I think now you look at the way a lot of quarterback deals are structured. Yeah. Each each of them on a more a year-to-year, you might have to pay that balloon payment. Yeah. Right? It might come due a little sooner than it would normally. But – 
you look at what the Bears did with Mike Glennon, right? That was a one-year deal. Yeah, it looked like a three-year, $45 million deal. No, it was a one-year, $18 million deal. And trying they to buy played him for a month, yeah, trying and to, then they moved on. Trying to, buy, trying to buy some time. And also, when you think about the 17 to $18 million mark, that now is probably on the low end of what you want to pay quarterbacks. Like, but that's, that's it, right? And, and it's the cost of like, doing business. It's the cost of doing business at that position. And what you have to wear it against, do I really want to spend $28 million for a guy like Kirk Cousins? Or even going deeper when you think about the draft, when you draft a quarterback and you get the quarterback on the rookie deal for five years, yeah, yeah, that is your opportunity to make a run because that is when you can spend money to get the supporting cast around him to help him thrive. Because once you pay the quarterback, the rest of your team tends to fall apart because he commands so much. You leave Andrew Luck alone. He commands so much money. <laughs> I'll say so it. Much you don't money, have to. You can't get the rest of stuff. <laughs> I'll say that so you don't have to. And thanks, T.O., for chiming in as well. All right, one one bit of a surprise just in your top five. We'll, we'll get to Josh Rosen as we continue. Saquon Barkley, the New York Giants. They've got Davis Webb, who they put in mothballs for this year. Mm-hmm. Shermer says he still wants Eli to be the guy, so go find a playmaker. One thing, obviously, injuries at wide receiver, Odell Beckham, clean slate, whatever else, injuries defensively, yeah. and then their tongues were dragging because they were on the field so much, so that fell apart pretty fast, but you didn't have a running back that you could call your own. This guy seems in the new age. Oh, as much as we love quarterbacks, we like running backs that can handle 20-plus. Well, I think I think if you look at the way the game is trending, I want to say the top running backs, all those teams were in the playoffs. And when I mean top running back, the running back has a different job description now than he had in the past. Before, it was three yards in a cloud of dust grinded in there. But everyone now is looking for the Le'Veon Bill, the David Johnson type, the big back that can not only run it, but he can make plays on the perimeter. Saquon Barkley is in that mold. Saquon Barkley is a guy that reminds me of a young Frank Gore in terms of his ability to not only run with power and authority inside, but catch the ball out the backfield and do a lot of things. We have heard David Gettleman first when he was hired talk about Eli Manning being a quarterback that they believe in. We heard Pat Shermer come out and say, hey, I look forward to working with Eli Manning. All those things indicate to me they're not going to take a quarterback at number two. They're trying to make one last run with Eli Manning. And the best way for them to make a run with Eli Manning, give him a running back. If you think about John Elway at the end of his run, Terrell Davis coming in to offset sure. the load. Look at what Drew Brees was able to do this year with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara playing big roles in that offense with the running game and their ability to make plays in the passing game. They made life easy for the quarterback. So when you have an older quarterback, you need to take some of the load off of him Saquon Barkley and the wide receivers that they have when they get healthy, they should be able to do it. So maybe we see Eli play at his best. There you go. Take the over in terms of the early win totals for 2018. We'll get back into Bucky's first round, a mock draft in about 20 minutes from now. A couple of other uh, big names that we should talk about, including Josh Rosen and where his fortunes uh, land. Another guy who has his detractors based on some commentary. It's one of those, you like the quarterback at least perception is you don't want a guy talking. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll get into that in about 20 minutes from now. But next, we're going to play the Family Feud. Bucky, his first time playing the Feud. We'll get into that family style. It's Fox Sports Radio coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Let's talk Pro Bowl next. Welcome back, Fox Sports Radio. This is Fox Sports Sunday. I'm Mike Harmon. He is Bucky Brooks in for Dan Byer today. Follow him on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. 
Find me over at Swollen Dome. Get on in, in with the show at 877-996-6369 or 877-99 on Fox. At Fox Sports Radio, of course, on Twitter. And for future listening purposes, 24 hours a day on the iHeartRadio app, we would appreciate you taking a moment, uh, as you are right now. We do appreciate each and every one of you taking a few minutes of your Sunday morning to listen to us uh, go on about the next generation of NFL players. You can find the show on iTunes as well. Subscribe to Fox Sports Radio Weekends. Download the show every week. Give us a quick listen. Evangelize when you're standing there in the gym. Poke someone on the show and say, hey, you know what? These guys are pretty good. And then get them on board. And it and it spiders out. And suddenly we've got our own Fox Sports Radio listening army. That's what I'm trying to build here. But now, as we do, we bring the family all together. It's time to play the feud. Ah, yes. The tried and true. The old formula. And, of course, the indelibly etched theme music that you know for oh so many years. Today, we mark the Pro Bowl. And, yes, you mock it if you want. Millions of people still sit down and watch it every week, every year, Bucky. People make fun of the lack of defense. People take all their shots about guys not wanting to play or that it's not in Hawaii this year. That's fine. It's fine. The bonus checks are still clearing for guys along the way. But today we are going to celebrate longstanding greatness. Yeah, we like new names on the field and new skills competitions. Which active players have been named to the most Pro Bowls? Top eight answers are on the board. Ooh. Bucky, I'm going to go to you first. You get the first call here on that list. Now, even though he's not playing, do I get Tom Brady? Can I take you Tom Brady? You get Tom Brady. Tom Brady does count. We can say yes. Oh, yeah. He is your number one answer. 13 Pro Bowl nominations for Tom Brady. Ooh. All right, we're going to go to executive producer Robert Desmati. You're next on the list. Uh, let's go with Aaron Rodgers. Survey says... Get out of here. Aaron (laughs) Rodgers does not crack our top A bunch of linemen. You leave the linemen alone. All right, coming up next, Isaac Lohenkron. Most Pro Bowls active players. I think I'm going to go a little outside the box here. This is the first time you'll hear somebody from the Cleveland Browns mentioned. Joe Thomas. Look at you. Joe (laughs) Thomas. Yes. Yes, Joe Thomas has been named to the Pro Bowl on 10 occasions. Wow. We'll go to Iowa Sam. Iowa Mm. Sam, you want to venture a guess? Most Pro Bowls amongst active players still have six answers Mm, on the board. Yes, uh, I was going to go with Joe Thomas. And, of course, the pass is available. Yeah, I don't want to pass this early. I'll try Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger. Survey says... Second strike on the board out of the first four. Reminder, Family Feud brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Now go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Now we go back to the feud. We go back to the top of the batting order. Bucky Brooks, you're on the clock. Ooh, I'm struggling right now. I'm struggling. So you said? We're rewarding longevity. Extended greatness. Gosh, that's tough. Um, I would say maybe Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates, survey says. Oh, oh, right. Antonio Gates with eight 
Pro Bowl appearances. He was eighth on our board. Staying alive. Robert Dasmati, round two for you. Oh, man. All right. I'm just going to go for it, boys. I'm sorry if it's wrong, but Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall. Wide receiver, Brandon for Marshall. For the win. Brandon Marshall. Is Brandon Marshall on our short list? Brandon Mar- Survey says. <laughs> Brandon Marshall. Bucky's going, no, just because he's doing stuff in the media. <laughs> there you go, guys. We struck out. Yeah. This edition of the feud went down in flames. Let's just tell Bayer we won. Yeah, we'll lie to Dan and we'll tell him we won. Isaac, you, would you care to venture another guess? I, th- I think I'm going to quit while I'm ahead, but I was going to say Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald survey says... Ah. There you go. He had el- as 11 on his what? resume... So you got one wide receiver in. Let's go a little deeper. Now, I had one or two guys that I thought might be a little difficult, but we'll go through the the tops first. Drew Brees, 11th appearances. Oh, wow. okay. Jason Witten with 10 appearances. Really? Julius Peppers, 9 appearances between Carolina, mm, Chicago, yeah. Green Bay. And this was the one I figured we'd have to use the speed pass on. Jason Peters. Between Buffalo Ooh. and Philadelphia. And then you have a ton of players tied with seven. When you're looking at Dwight Freeney, A.J. Green, Shane Leckler. I wanted to get the punter in, but I didn't want him to say top 27 guys uh, around the board. I thought that would get a, a little bit crazy on us as well. <laughs> but it's an interesting note because we talk about guys being named and it's as much of an exhibition, still a celebration of, of the NFL. And again, we only have two more games and gambling experiences for you before we go into the good night. Back into Draft Talk next on Fox Sports Sunday. Welcome in, Fox Sports Sunday continuing. Mike Harmon alongside Bucky Bricks. Bucky Brooks. Brooks. See, I'm trying to go fast. I'm looking up. I'm seeing Sam. I'm seeing the change over to Alex. You know, you, you have that moment. You see guys returning kicks on our screen. Why? Because they're doing all these great Super Bowl moments, and you start getting amped up, Bucky. So my apologies. You can uh, take your run at me uh, at, at the next commercial <laughs> segment as you go. At Bucky Brooks on Twitter. Find me over at Swollen Dome. It's Fox Sports Sunday. One week until Super Bowl 52, so lots swirling in the NFL world, coaching jobs, finally, it appears everybody's settled out unless something random happens in the 11th hour. Now we start getting into the full draft preparation. Why? Because 30 teams are sitting on the sidelines waiting for things to roll. And we'll celebrate the Pro Bowl because, yes, five or six million of you will still sit down and watch the Pro Bowl later today as much as you make fun of it, as much as your local radio hosts and and affiliates may make fun of it. It still is a larger TV event. Uh, Yes, and then you'll watch the Grammys from New York tonight. See, a lot of entertainment flowing through Bucky, but certainly this week, other than Tom Brady's health and Rob Gronkowski's health, it's been a lot about the college all-star games. We had the NFLPA Bowl out here in, in Carson, you know, the home of the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, sparsely attended, but still a, a showcase for players trying to, to make get a little bit more on tape against better competition perhaps if they were from smaller schools getting that invite but most eyes gravitated towards the senior bowl because that's where your name players were and and certainly you had the the big names which are the quarterbacks getting a lot of run and then the chip on the shoulder of the other quarterbacks Mm -hmm. hey we can play we're playing in this game too and they come out and they win so they're 
they're having a lap. Baker Mayfield did yes. the Week 17 Peyton Manning kind of thing <laughs> back in the day, right, before Jim Sorgi would come in and play where he did two series, a Queens wave, and go back to the sideline making sure that you wrap him in bubble wrap so Absolutely. he's ready for next. Uh, Josh Allen played a bit more. We've talked a lot about him this morning. But in this evaluation process, in addition to playing in the league, a scout for a couple of years, and now your work at NFL Network, is is there some part in that week that that you're looking for more more than than any other, right? And as you begin this evaluation process, because this is like part one of a a twelve part it's test a, along the way. Yes, yeah, a long it's a long process. The evaluation process is a long journey to get from the beginning to the end, which is draft night. Uh, the way we can section this off is the first part of the evaluation process takes place during the regular season when we look at all the games. We assess what players are. We give them grades. We give these preliminary grades based on how they play throughout the regular season. Uh, most scouts pay close attention to big games. These big games would be your rivalry games, your conference championship games, and bowl games, particularly elite bowl games. You talk about the upper ones, okay, sure. college football playoff, those things kind of have a bigger precedence because it's the biggest stage that you can get to that is close to the NFL stage. Simulating that 70,000 yeah. big Big crowd, pack. big game, yeah. pressure, the element when you're playing in these college football playoff games, you're playing against other teams that typically have a handful of pros as well. So you're seeing best on best, which is what you always want to see as an evaluator. Then when you go to the All-Star games, All-Star games um, have a separate um, weight or value to them because in these games – Typically, particularly the Senior Bowl, that's the crown jewel of the All-Star Game season. That is when you see the best play against the best. And you may not see the first-rounders because a lot of times the first-rounders will elect to bypass those games. But you will see the day two prospects, second and third-rounders compete, and there is a lot of opportunity for guys to move up because you're playing against guys all over the country that have high grades. And so if you outshine them, if you dominate the competition, there's a good chance for you to move up. Also, people have an opportunity to watch you practice, go about your business, talk to you, interview you, get around you, get a sense of who you are. Because when you get to the combine, you may get 15 to 30 minutes with a prospect. You may have a 24-hour visit when we get later into your team visits. But that's it. So really, you're making these big decisions off of these limited interactions and moments that you have with a player. That is why the Senior Bowl is so valuable because to get four or five days to watch a player perform, to talk to him, to see him, to feel him, that is what you want because you really want to know who you're bringing in your building. You can get a little bit more into to Bucky's insights. Bigplayfootball.com. Bigplayfootball is the Twitter account as well. And we've talked a lot about Darnold and, and about Josh Allen. You can find the show on iTunes. Subscribe to Fox Sports Radio Weekends. Down, download the show each and every week. You can hear all of that breakdown. We're going to push forward to a couple of quarterbacks. We haven't had a chance to, to break down in, in full just yet. When you look at Baker Mayfield, and we've addressed him a little bit, and you know I may have had the tongue-in-cheek Queenswave thing here. There's nothing that he was going to put out in that game that was going to supersede what um, you've seen necessarily, actually, right? Yeah, actually, this this was a great opportunity for Baker Mayfield because the big question that we had with Baker Mayfield, the system. Because remember, there's a stigma that's attached to guys that come out of the air raid system. Sure, Lincoln Riley is a guy that is a protege of the Mike Leach system. He continues to do some of those things that we've seen. All these quarterbacks run up big numbers, but some of them haven't had success. Jerry Goff is being the exception to the rule. With Baker Mayfield, we wanted to see 
How does he perform in a more traditional offense, one that is pro style in nature? But is for him, it, the practice would be far more important than the game based and, and on mo- coverages. Yeah, and, and most of those things, practice matters more than the game. Like guys, like the funny thing about the Senior Bowl and these All Star games. Scouts will come in from Monday and they depart on Thursday. They're not even at the games when the Just games bail. are played. They're gone. They may catch them on tape, but a lot of the work is done throughout the practice week. When you watch them in these competitive environments, one-on-ones, nine-on-seven, team drills, pass Skelly, you're trying to make your assessments off of that. Yeah, how they perform in the game matters a little bit, but practice matters far more than what you do in the game. All right, so for Baker Mayfield, we have the gamer is what he gets tagged, Absolutely. right? That's that's the, the gamer, gamer grinder, whatever. We put the quotes around it. You've got Josh Rosen, mm. who we've seen some of the good, the bad, the ugly in terms of his. He's at one of those. Most, you're most, watching the roller coaster ride, I guess would be. And he's a talker, yeah, I which think, I think gets people nervous I a think, little bit as well. I, th- I think the thing would be, um, without his personality, I think you would get a consensus that he is the purest, pocket passer in this draft class, that he might be the most polished and most pro-ready of all the quarterbacks when it comes to throwing the ball and playing in the traditional sense. The thing that hurts him is the perception of his personality and how people view his outgoing personality in terms of he speaks on topics. If you ask him, he's going to give you the answer. And some would prefer that their quarterback didn't necessarily engage in that kind of banter. Um, it just kind of depends on. We, we may who or the may not have is. seen that play oh, out in terms of jobs uh, over these uh, yeah. past uh, eighteen yes. months yes. about what you say and don't say, and obviously it's the the elephant in the room when you talk about a Colin Kaepernick. Obviously, there's a much different. Uh, yeah. it's it's obviously a much different conversation yeah, I, I, about I think, about outspokenness, but it goes down that it, it goes that down that line. Right. Right? I, I, I think the big thing with with Josh Rosen, there are a couple of different things that are kind of working under the surface when people are kind of hesitant about him right now in the process. One, the outspoken nature. Um, He's a guy that has been involved in some comments that have been deemed controversial, fair or not. Two, he's a highly intelligent guy. He's a guy who comes from uh, a well-off family. Family is well-accomplished in their own right. And so there are some questions about how much does he love the game, how much does he need the game, and what is that going to look like when he gets to the next level? People, um, coaches, and evaluators tend to favor those who feel like football is the ultimate priority and that that um, is the priority over everything else. Josh Rosen is a worldly guy. Josh Rosen has a lot of interests that um, are outside of football. So how does that play? And secondly, the personality the personality, does he care enough? Is he Jay Cutler 2.0? Those things scare off some evaluators. And so it will be a lot of digging, a lot of deep dive digging on Josh Rosen beyond what he is as a player. Really, his biggest obstacle is getting people comfortable with the person. If he can convince people to be comfortable with the person, I think the tape is the tape. You see that he can make plays and make throws and all that other stuff on tape. Can you buy into him being the leader of your squad? So you did a drive-by and you took down Jay Cutler in the process. We'll we'll talk about <laughs> that a little bit later in the show, perhaps. Uh, the the last guy, and I don't I don't even know what tag you put on him, but is Lamar Jackson, right? You in your first round mock draft again, talking to player, talking to personnel people, and in the building there at NFL Network, Rosen five, 
to Denver, working with John Elway and, and the accomplished veteran leadership mm-hmm. they have there, and then Baker Mayfield going to the Jets, which for me will be great because you know I co-host during the week with Jason Smith, and oh, he, nothing I'd I'm love sure, more I'm to sure watch him lose his it. mind with that. Lose, lose his mind over Baker Mayfield? Yeah. Come on. That, I mean, it's perfect. It's like Joe Namath 2.0. Well, but that that's that's just it. That's a long time ago, and oh, yeah. and, and it, they would have to translate into wins on the field very quickly. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, let's just face let's you know the snowball effect of all these losing seasons. But Lamar Jackson in your mock draft penciled in at Jacksonville, but a, a player who, when we were talking about these elite quarterbacks and we're getting into these discussions about who's going up overall, all we did was watch him run over competition, and and he lost some of those big marquee games, right? They, when he faced the, mm-hmm. quote, be, I guess the better competition, you look at the the bigger bigger opponents, didn't necessarily always fare so well. Mm-hmm. Turnovers up a bit and like the excuses, I guess, that get made for Josh Allen, here it's been more of a, a detriment to Lamar Jackson. It's uh, amazing. In, in terms of how people are evaluating his process. I think that is the great debate because as much as I can, I'm going to tie those two guys together. Because everything that you love and hate about Josh Allen, you can say the same things about Lamar Jackson. Whatever excuse that you choose to make for Josh Allen and his ability to, oh, elevate the squad or not elevate the squad or perform, his sub-60 completion rate, everything that we excuse him for, then we have to offer the same excuse for Lamar Jackson. I think when you look at quarterbacks – and I think when we're talking about guys in the first round, the simple question that you have to ask yourself when you look at them, is there ever a time when you're watching a game that you feel like this guy's the best guy on the field? When I looked if at you, if you watch Lamar Jackson for two series, you knew that was the case. Yeah, if you if you watch Lamar Jackson, if you go back last year and you watched Lamar Jackson versus Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson was the best guy on the field. Right. He was the best player on the field. And so when we're Trying to boil it down, I really try and keep this very, very simple, and I think sometimes as evaluators we cloud it. If we were playing a turkey bowl on Thanksgiving Day and we could just have all the quarterbacks lined up and we could pick whoever we want, you want to make sure that your guy can lead your team to the winner's circle. Would you want Lamar Jackson to be your quarterback? Would you want Josh Allen to be your quarterback? Who would you want to be your quarterback in that scenario? If we can boil it down and make it as simple as that, I think we wouldn't miss as much on quarterbacks as we do. With Lamar Jackson, the trick will be which offensive coordinator wants to take on the challenge of creating an offense that enhances his creativity, takes advantage of his skills, and allows him to be the player that he is without taking away some of the other stuff and also encourage him to be more traditional in the sense. I think Lamar Jackson might benefit from the Deshaun Watson evaluation because last year people were down on Deshaun Watson. Can he come out that system? Can he make plays? Well, when he goes to Houston, it looks like a different offense. They average over 30 points a game. He looks like a young MVP candidate. If Bill O'Brien can be willing to change his offense for Deshaun Watson, maybe there's someone that's out there to do the same for Lamar Jackson. Fox Sports Sunday coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com. Get yourself a free rate quote. He's Bucky Brooks. Find him on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. I'm Mike Harmon. Find me over at Swollen Dome. You talk about the Turkey Bowl test. That's a draft I would like to see televised. 
As we know, the NBA <laughs> All-Star teams were selected this week, and shall I say guys were a bit soft and didn't want to get called out for being one of the last picks. We'll dive into the NBA All-Star game, that process, and all of the drama of the Cavaliers with our special esteemed guest next here on Fox Sports Radio. LeBron James. Fox Sports Sunday, Mike Harmon alongside Bucky Brooks. Our guy Dan Byer on the road to Minneapolis. He'll be part of Fox Sports Radio's continuing coverage all week long from Radio Row at the Mall of America. That's right, the Mall of America. So do an interview, go find yourself a nice new pair of pants. And if you find Ragnar on the streets, Byer, if you're listening, anybody else out there, you get the that's the bounty for the week. You got to get a picture with Ragnar. That's it. Or find my guy Harmar Superstar. Look him up. A little soulful singing for you as you go. But now we're going to turn our attention. We'll be talking a lot of NFL as we will. Uh, we'll get back into that a little bit more uh, as the show goes on. But first, we're going to step out to the NBA. We bring on friend of the show, frequent contributor. You find him host of the Big Three show, uh, writer at Dime Up Rocks. That's the the Twitter account for that account. It's our buddy Oliver Maroney, O Maroney NBA. Oliver, a nice active week again for the Cleveland Cavaliers. They seem to just own headlines. Oh, they love it. They love it. Uh, they're making jokes in the locker room now, making fun of the media. It's 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 great. It, this is this is why we watch the NBA. <laughs> well, you got to have all this stuff, especially in January. It's just filler and people tuning out now that the the NFL's moving on they've got to find some other excuse to sit on the couch on the weekends of course yeah that, that, that's the reason especially with the team with lebron james and isaiah thomas coming in and you know i think it was kevin love that made the recent joke and then i think channing fry posted that he got uh, arthur mood cookies nice. uh, so just like <laughs> pictures of arthur on cookies so they just i think they're i think they're playing with us at this point um and, and looking at the cleveland situation i know they're playing around do you think it can be resolved to the point where they can get back on track and be the dominant team that we thought they would be in the East? I think it depends on what you think get back on track really means because uh, this team has been really inconsistent uh, on both offense and defense, but really the defense has been a struggle for the past few seasons, and everybody said they need to have better rim protection. Um, They probably need another quote-unquote piece uh, to be able to really compete with the Warriors, but I don't think they necessarily need anything if they want to make the Eastern Conference Finals and potentially get back to the finals. Uh, but if they want to beat the Warriors, uh, yeah, they, they need some more help. <laughs> but I guess that becomes the question. I, I keep saying that number one pick needs to be on the table uh, as a chip to go all in with LeBron James potentially walking out the door. Uh, things that Jason Smith has decided in, during the week he's going to throw things at me uh, when I suggest such. But it seems to me that LeBron has the organization, you know, over a barrel in terms of his future and what they need to give up to try to win now. Yeah, it sounds similar to the Miami situation a few years back, or the Cleveland situation before that. Um, yeah, well, no, that's he's it. always, he orchestrates he's always well. going to have. He's always going to have LeBron. Uh, you know, they're, they're always going to have LeBron as the, you know, the. the basically there being that guy. Um, I think the problem really, the concern for me is, even if you dangle that f- first-round pick, the the Nets pick, which looks to be getting better and better each and every sure. day, um, it, you know, what are you getting? Are, are you getting DeAndre Jordan? Are you getting, you know, uh, 
I did, and now at this point, there's no Boogie Cousins rumors out there because that injury happened, and, and sad to hear and sad to see. But I just don't know what you get that really vaults you over the top or makes you a clear-cut uh, title contender. Uh, I, I think right now at this moment, uh, they just they just don't have a good enough defensive presence to be able to compete with the Warriors. And I think you've seen it in the past. The Warriors can turn it on basically at any moment, and they've got four top 20 players on their team. I mean, Cleveland doesn't have not only the talent, but the team chemistry that the Warriors play with. So I think it's going to be very, very difficult, even if you're dangling that pick out there, to make a, to make a run at the Warriors. And if that's not possible, then why make that move? Because then you're wagering your future if LeBron is going to leave anyways. You know, and, and, and thinking about the Warriors and how we use them as a measuring stick, we saw the Boston Celtics go head-to-head and toe-to-toe with the Golden State Warriors. What do you make the, of the Boston Celtics? Are they a legit and real threat to not only win the East, but to go toe-to-toe with the Warriors in the finals? I think what we saw last night is a young, hungry Boston Celtics team with a leader in Kyrie Irving who's been there and done that multiple times, multiple years against the Warriors. And I I think it's very possible that you see the Boston Celtics come out of the East over Cleveland and give the Warriors a run for their money. And in my opinion, it's not necessarily uh, – I, I wouldn't really mind either way if it's Cleveland or Boston, but, but for me personally, I'd like to see Boston in there because at least it gives you something that you can <laughs> – that's different from what we've seen in the past three years. And I think the Cleveland series versus the Warriors series are great. Uh, I don't think it's bad for basketball necessarily, but at the same time, seeing a young, hungry, energetic team like that with a little bit more depth, I would say, um, as far as just the versatility they they present, uh, especially against this Warriors team, I I think it would be a lot of fun to watch that series. I don't know if they can put the Warriors past maybe six six games, but I I think with Brad Stevens as a coach, anything is possible. Go ahead, Bucky. Oh, I was going to say, what do, you, what do you make of Kyrie Irving's adjustment to Brad Stevens and how he's fit in in Boston? Do you like it? Do you think there's still a ways to go? Last night it looked remarkable how he played in that offense, but I'm just curious to get another take. I love it. I, I think Brad Stevens is one of the best coaches in the NBA, and you can clearly see that. Uh, I think the reason why is you look at what Isaiah Thomas was able to accomplish uh, in the Boston Celtics offense. Uh, you know, Brad Stevens knew that he was not a defensive stalwart. And he put guys around him who, was, who were going to be able to help uh, in those situations. And what he does is he puts players in positions to succeed, and that's what every good coach in the NBA does. So you're seeing that with Kyrie Irving right now. I think he's playing at an elevated level, a level I don't think we've seen him play on yet. Now his stats may not be there night in and night out, but last night it was on full display, obviously. And I think Brad Stevens... Like I said, his coaching ability is just something special. Uh, he really, really finds the best out of each player. Fox Sports Radio, it is Fox Sports Sunday. Mike Harmon alongside Bucky Brooks with you on the hotline with us. Oliver Maroney covers the NBA for the dime at uprocks.com, U-P-R-O-X-X.com, and the Big Three Show. You can find him on Twitter at NBA. Uh, we'll talk All-Star in a minute. Uh the San Antonio Spurs, right? We keep trying to look for dysfunction. Why? Because that's the the best thing is always the best story is the losing locker room or teams in apparent dysfunction. Kawhi Leonard has had his injury issues now 
discussions of him being malcontented in Greg Popovich's system and where he's at in the pecking order on the whole. Is there anything to this, or is this more just media trying to run with a story? Yeah, it's hard for me to believe that uh, Kawhi Leonard's doing this at this point. Um, It's hard for me to believe that the Spurs organization really messed this up. Now, if you can see on paper, he came back, and then he got injured again or had, had problems with the injury. Now he's out in, you know, indefinitely. I think uh, there is some pause for concern with the injury itself, but as far as Kawhi being upset or you know Greg Popovich or the Spurs organization, I don't really see it currently. Um, something may change, but for me to believe that, it would take a lot just because of how the Spurs have treated players in the past and how things have gone down. So... Yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned if I was a Spurs fan. I think Kawhi Leonard is there for the long run, and I think you know that system fits him pretty well. You know, Oliver, I can't I can't let you go without asking you about uh, this tweet that you put out where you had a video of Steve Kerr supporting Steph Curry, and it's been circulated. And I want to make sure you get credit for putting it out. Um, that relationship between Steph Curry and Steve Kerr and Kerr's positive leadership style. Did we know that Steve Kerr was this kind of coach or he was going to be this kind of coach when he took over the helm at the Golden State Warriors? I don't think anybody did. I think there are a lot of question marks surrounding the hire. I, When Mark Jackson was fired and Steve Kerr was brought in, I kind of questioned the whole scenario just because the Warriors were playing well. They had this so-called, quote-unquote, big three in the making. Uh, but Steve Kerr's taking it to a whole other level, and I think – What's interesting to me, I was talking to Ryan Hollins, a former NBA player, and he was going back and forth with me about how, you know, Steve Kerr probably wouldn't act that way if he, if he, if he didn't have Steph Curry uh, on his team. So I, I think there's, there's, it's, a, it's a positive relationship. It's a mutual relationship, most, most importantly, because without Steph, I don't think Kerr could speak that way, but he knows what Steph is capable of. So I think it goes hand in hand, and I think the video just – it really, it it shows you and paints the picture of what the Warriors are all about. That system, that culture, uh, it's something different. And I think it's even different than what, what the Spurs operate as, um, just because of what you, what you notice. There's so much more positive reinforcement that I've ever seen with a coach, um, just in those little sound bites and clips. So, yeah, it's very intriguing. I think Kerr has done a, a tremendous job, and I think he's a stand-up person in general. And I think that's what's great about that culture and that organization is just how many people – speak so highly of not only the players but the organization and just how they handle handle themselves on a daily basis great stuff oliver maroney covering the nba for the dime at uprocks.com and the big three show we'll get that season two uh season two coming up uh, as we get rolling more names being added all the time at omaroney nba oliver thanks for the for the visit we'll catch up with you next week all right Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks, buddy. Oliver Maroney uh, covering the NBA. That's one of the videos that started to go viral. Uh, You see the relationship. We'll make sure to retweet that uh, at Bucky Brooks, at Swollen Dome for that, at Fox Sports Radio. Uh, A nice little play with Steve Kerr and the words of encouragement, pumping him up. Wow, you've got so much confidence in yourself. That's all the good stuff because – I, I get tired when Steve Kerr is preaching to me about what I should be watching on television or paying attention to, as he is wont to do as well. I, I get it. You were the smartest guy alive because you avoided Phil Jackson and the train wreck with the Knicks. You don't have to remind us of that uh, in, in so many ways uh, about what we should be partaking of. Why? Because Oliver also, after that, retweeted the news that LeVar Ball 
<laughs> will be the head coach for that Lithuanian uh, game as they finish off some of that exhibition work there in Lithuania. Yes, suited up LeVar Ball, now a head coach. Stay in your lane. With that update, <laughs> we'll go to more substantive things by checking in with our buddy Isaac Lohenkron on what's trending in this sporting world. Damn right, Michael and Bucky. Today, down under, Roger Federer won his 20th Grand Slam title. He defeated Marin Cilic in five sets for his sixth Australian Open Championship. In the NBA Saturday night, the Golden State Warriors and Boston Celtics put on a show with Steph Curry playing the starring role. Curry up the floor with a minute 45 to go. Deep three off the dribble. Got it! Tim Roy, the call on 95.7 the game as Curry scored a season-high 49 points in the Warriors' 109-105 victory. Ian Rappaport of NFL Media reported this morning that earlier this week, Tom Brady had the 12 stitches on his throwing hand removed, so he will play Super Bowl 52 stitch-free. No word yet on whether Brady celebrated the removal of his stitches by having a salmon burger with avocado salad or by having a sweet potato and kale bowl with lemon grass curry sauce, but it was one of them. One final note, the Eagles will be flying out to Minneapolis today. The Patriots will be flying out tomorrow. Both teams, by the way, will not be staying downtown. Instead, both team hotels will be adjacent to the Mall of America. So if there's a big guy standing in front of you in the Orange Julius line, it might be Gronk. Back to you, Michael. How about that? Thank you, Isaac, for that update. It is Fox Sports Sunday coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. He's Bucky Brooks, at Bucky Brooks on Twitter. Find his work also at NFL.com. Find me over at Swollen Dome on Twitter, at Fox Sports Radio. Of course, for all your needs as we head towards Super Bowl 52, we'll have our team all the way through uh, on Radio Row in the Mall of America, no doubt giving you some of the uh, gastronomy of the region as well. Uh, Perhaps some of those kale burgers and (laughs) Quinoa burgers and whatever Hell will be yeah. on the menu. No, we're a bunch of beef eaters, I think, that that we're sending to the sending to the Super Bowl, Bucky. So I think we'll be well represented. I, I, I got to ask you. I got to yeah. like that, that that Twitter handle, the swollen swollen dome. dome yeah, yeah. Where, 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 where's that originate? That, from? that what, comes from my. Well, you know what? Your some brain people, is so big that your head is swollen. Like what? What is? Well, that? some people think of. Um, well, they go sideways with it, as we are just a couple of uh, short hop skips and jumps down the freeway to certain industries but the larger thing was back <laughs> yeah there you have it there's the music trying to keep it clean on a sunday morning you don't say here in the geico fox sports radio studios uh it more flowed from working over at foxsports.com and them trying to frame up a graphic behind my head <laughs> and they couldn't without really pulling the camera back yeah they could not fit both in frame very well <laughs> And to one point, my producer, I'm working with the content, goes, damn, your head's so swole. Like, and the other guy's going, the dome is just too big. And it's like, and then they merge. And then there it's you like goes. peanut butter and chocolate That's it. coming together. And, I like and, it. And there you go. See, you like the way I did that because we were talking a lot about I liked it. The, the Reese's senior I did. That as well. Nice, so, that's a nice play. Well, you know, every once in a while, I, we, we find a, a nut. But that that's the where it began. 
And so we built the logo off that, and well, it's become the moniker. Yeah, all right, swollen dome. So I in the it. evening, you have me doing that, and you've got my partner Jason Smith, who you worked with uh, over there at How About a Fresca. How about a Fresca? So go into the caddy shack. Do they even make frescas anymore? Oh yeah, oh yeah. At one point, we had a case here. It sat for a long, long time. Time. Long. I'm not saying it was popular. Long around time. here, which is funny because he is. is you know, extols the virtues and the greatness of Fresca, more the movie quote than the actual product. And yet he will go after Alex Teicher for everything Alex. Now, Alex, his body is a temple. Okay. The man eats cleaner <laughs> yeah. than anybody I've ever met. Yep. So he, he's got that process and he's got his bags of greens and everything when trying he comes to, ready for his day. Right? No, that's just forever. it. Well, he's trying to take from Tom Brady. So mm-hmm. he maybe he watched the Little avocado you know, ice cream in the back. Maybe, maybe right. a little bit of that along the way, That's too. That's right. right? Alex, Alex versus time. <laughs> he wants that brand big enough to do that, right? <laughs> Sequel's coming soon. <laughs> there you go. The big A getting it done. That's now, we've right. been talking a lot about the next generation, and we talk about football in its largesse, mm-hmm. and some say football's under fire. We talk about ratings. Yep. I remind everybody that ratings were down markedly for almost anything in prime time and that sports uh, don't, still rules. Don't let the facts get in the way of a hot take. Well, no, but that's it. It becomes a nice <laughs> hot take. Look at everything's falling. It's like, yeah. no, no, no. Who, everybody's binge watching. They don't sit on Tuesday at 9 o'clock. No. They say, you know what? I'll watch it all because if I'm going to cry over the next episode of This Is Us, I haven't seen a minute of it, mm-hmm. but I keep getting people telling me how sorrowful these things are. It's like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it in one fell swoop. That's right. right? I'm going to have one miserable afternoon. And I'm, gonna be, I'm not going to subject myself to that week after week. Likewise, all these other shows, the same thing. You're coming nicely done. That you're coming back the, the same way. You're not digesting product the way Absolutely. you used to. But I'll get off my soapbox. But football is dead, is the narrative. The XFL announced this week. Vince McMahon, you're a talent evaluator. You're a man who played in mm-hmm. the National Football League for five years. You were around the game. I think this is, I, mean, I don't know that it works long term. Whatever works means. But at I least it, it's an opportunity. I think it. I think it could work in a major way if done correctly. Now he went out and made some outlandish statements early about what he wants the league to do and be. But this is something that is desperately needed, not only in football in general, but the National Football League needs another league around where players can develop. If you look at the problems that people talk about with the league, lack of quarterback play, uh, lack of development for young players. The XFL could fill a nice void in that. We are a league that we don't have a developmental league. Uh, The NBA has the G League where they go. MLB has the minor leagues. Obviously, we would say that the National Football League uses college football as a minor league system, but it's different. The XFL has an opportunity to be a breeding ground for young players and coaches to help them master their craft if used the right way. It, it would and, be, and there's the large question, right? How much does, hey, we need to turn a profit, especially if it's only his money. And, and, how and, how and, much does and, he, he and need it just, to push that fast? Like, and, and here's the thing about the XFL. Like, there's so many things that the NFL uses from that XFL experience. Sure. The cable cam. Oh, yeah. Go all the way the back cable to cam, 2001. The cable sure. cam and the way that we visually take in the game. The XFL has impacted that. Um, if he'd gotten only a percentage. Uh, you know, I mean, you know that half a half a one percent would everything. have funded this league for decades. Just, just that, and then you think about the coaches and the quarterbacks that played in the league. There are a number of guys that have played in the XFL that also played in the NFL. They gave opportunities to guys like Jim Skipper um, and some other guys to coach in the league that they otherwise wouldn't have opportunities to coach. And so, 
the league can be a great thing. I'm just curious to see how is it built, how do they go about their business, and at any point can they find a workaround with the National Football League where some of those players eventually could go back and forth, much like NFL Europe was able to do years and years ago. Because that's, that's been the question of the the formation and that initial roster and trying to make a splash. Look, $100 million, which is what he sold in WWE stock, is mm. the seed money here. That's $12.5 million per team. That's not a lot. Mm-mm. So trying to build. And certainly for the Arena League, there was a lot of focus on these guys played in college. You know their names. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it, that necessarily plays next level. And you've got – I keep – Wanting to get that USFL feel where there's one or two mercenaries that just say, you know what, I'm going for a paycheck over here where I might not break through here. Or a guy's on the back end of their careers. Think about a guy like James Harrison. Mm -hmm. May not not be an NFL guy after this year. Who knows? But that's a name, especially if you're talking about rules and, quote, real football. Let him go loose and go after. I think think where the the sweet spot really could be will be – um, in the National Football League, the average career is three years, three games, so right around three, four years. You have a number of guys that aren't able to play beyond that just because of salary cap considerations. Right. Those guys kind of fall by the wayside. doesn't mean those guys can't play. It's just that based on the salary cap, people go for younger and cheaper. Well, the XFL, depending on how their money is allocated, how they structure the squads, those guys are still good enough to put out a good product. Now, when it comes to name value – I don't know how many names you will see go from the National Football League to the XFL. Maybe some of those older guys, some of the older quarterbacks that are kind of fading out. Maybe you can get those guys. I really believe that if this league is done, and I don't know if he's talked about in the spring or the fall, but if you do it in the spring when nothing is really on TV, we have seen the demand for football. Shoot, I'm a football junkie. I even watch the CFL when it's CFL season. Exactly. So if you think about putting the teams in locations that would – Fill up small stadiums. Yeah, I think Victor McMahon could certainly been onto something that is beneficial not only to him but to the National Football League when they take some of those players that come away from there. There you have it. Symbiotic relationship. There it is. Bringing back the NBA where I'm putting five dollars in the jar. I got symbiotic relationship into the show. It's Fox Sports Sunday. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Mike Harmon. Coming up next, we dip into my bag of fun. You think you got jerseys? What do you hear about a Philadelphia man who lives? For his jersey. That's next. I'll probably smoke some meat. Nothing better than Preacher MC Hammer coming over the top. Man who was in the middle of bankruptcy hearings and I get off a plane with he and 35 people that were getting ready to go make what became an album that never existed. But it was a nice thought and a nice conversation. A good man. Yes, it's Fox Sports Sunday. Mike Harmon alongside Bucky Brooks, Dan Byer. On assignment, readying for the week in Minneapolis. He is purchasing his Gore-Tex coat, perhaps as we speak. Maybe getting himself some some footwear that'll get through the icy treks. Maybe some snowshoes. I don't know. We'll find out uh, as the weeks go week week goes forward. Uh, you find Bucky on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. Find me over at Swollen Dome. Uh, of course, you can follow the network at Fox Sports Radio. All the good things going ahead of Super Bowl 52. Listening on the iHeart Radio app. We appreciate you, however you're coming to us this morning, spending a few minutes with us as we break down this world of sports uh, as, well, two perspectives in a world full of them. Uh, take them for what they are and push forward and evangelize. Bring your friends into the fold as we try to take over uh, the radio 
and TV landscape. How's that, Bucky? Evangelization? I'm good. Let's do it. All right. So one of the things we do here is we like to dip into, well, my bag of fun. And this week, well, a great story. Everybody has had a football jersey now and again, right? Maybe you got one as a gift as a kid, ran around. Dan and I were talking about jerseys uh, last week in terms of picking your favorites out of the old school Jaguars, or maybe you like the Patriot Pat and, mm. and all of those as you roll through. But what if I told you there's a man in Philadelphia that has 217 different Eagles jerseys? Wow. 217? 217. So he can have one every day of the NFL season. Wow. Think about that. That's that's, that's not just... That's, that's, you know, you're going to have multiples of players for sure. But... Jeez. Now, that's a lot. Like I, I did a bit when I, I worked back at Yahoo uh, doing fantasy stuff, and we had our prizing. We worked out with a distributor where the winner of a league would get a jersey, wow. and so each team, you know, you, you paid however much the money was for the league, but then the winner would get a jersey, and each team they'd give us a list of the popular ones that they would have in stock. And occasionally someone would request the oddball, you know, backup wide receiver or tight end or what have you. But as part of the, the perks, I got a random jersey sent to me. And it was usually one that of a guy that had been traded or released or whatever. So each week I would wear one of these jerseys as part of the bit. So for a while I had a stack of just randomness. Stack of jerseys. Randomness. So, you know, here's the alternate Terrell Owens Eagles jersey. Here's... <laughs> Here's an old uh, Jeremy Shockey jersey. Mm-hmm. Things, things of that ilk. 217. Wow. I mean, I look, we, we don't have to dress up here in radio. It's not like you guys having to put on a suit when right. you're in front of the camera over at an NFL network or vid- videos for NFL.com. Here, you know, we're in sweats and jeans yeah. or T-shirts and, and have fun. 217 times, this guy could wear an Eagles jersey to work. Every day, whenever he wants. Yes, I mean I, I like fandom. How do you how do you, how do you determine which jersey you want to wear? There? No, that's just it, right? I mean, do you just order them somehow? Do you and just, then have you just go to the front of the rack? Do you and just it's have a motorized? Closet? Yeah, no. He's he, there's a, a video, and I'll I'll post it showing how he's got them all laid out and goes through alternate jerseys. Does it look like the dry cleaners? You know, it, what it, it is. It's got the big it just, rack. It just kind of cycles through. Yeah, you got to have the motorized rack. That's the only way that's going to work. I mean, I just don't know how. How you determine which one you want to wear. That and a friend of ours in the media, uh, Derek Schultz, out in Indianapolis, went to a thing, a bacon fest, which is taking over the land. There's been a couple here in Los Angeles. I know friends that actually participate as chefs in Chicago. Uh, Someone was at bacon fest in Indianapolis and loved it so much that they tattooed the logo of bacon fest onto their (laughs) That's serious. That's some Uh, serious devotion. You see it there. I mean, they've got the... The the fattiness laid out perfectly in the whole nine yards. I, I want to say that I've now seen it all. But we'll see some more coming up next from, from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is Fox Sports Sunday. I like bacon. Fox Sports Sunday continues. We thank you for taking a few moments with us this morning, wherever you may be. Afternoon now, East Coast time. Getting out and about to and from services, maybe to and from work. We thank you. Uh, for being part of our Fox Sports Sunday family. Bucky Brooks in for Dan Byer. Today, I'm Mike Harmon. Find Bucky over on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. All the NFL scouting breakdown. He's got his first round of the mock draft up. 
The fun has begun. That that officially rings the bell on the next season of the NFL because it goes year-round. Who are we kidding ourselves? There's no days off, right? No days off. Just like Bill Belichick <laughs> always no preaches. Days. <laughs> yeah, there are no days off in this National Football League. 365 kind of grind anymore. You don't have an offseason. You go straight into evaluations, free agency, and we're not even done with the Super Bowl, and we're already advancing the narrative, Bucky. It, it just doesn't stop with those collegiate all-star games of this past week. Now, uh, extra grades now in those files. It's only part of the way through this this semester, if we want to put it in school terms, but certainly uh, some guys hoping they pass the, the first test. Yeah, absolutely. We are knee-deep in the evaluation process, and now it's about to ramp up. Uh, they've done all the football stuff. All the football stuff is done with the conclusion of the Senior Bowl. Now it is about the combine, the interviews, pro day workouts, and then ultimately the draft. And so you have a bunch of kids that are off of their fancy boutique training locations, <laughs> running sprints, working on drills, lifting, trying to figure out how they can elevate their athletic performance. So when they do get the opportunity to perform at the combine and or at their pro day, they put on their best showing. And then you have a lot of scouts who the Pro Bowl kind of marks the beginning of pre-draft, pre-combine meetings. You have a lot of staffs that are beginning to fly into their cities, uh, start getting together, start putting together their draft boards and talk about where players should be slotted prior to the combine, talk about the background info and the like. And so it is about to be very, very real uh, when it comes time to getting ready for the draft. I just find it interesting that you know, each year we we go through this process, and you you believe it's a little more transparent, right? Because everybody wants behind the scenes. You want to know, you know, all about the evaluation process as we enjoy the pinwheel uh, competitions from the skills world uh, of the Pro Bowl here in the Geico Studios. Look, we've got all our all our monitors and attention on. Super Bowl highlights and everything else, but still, I'm I'm enamored by all the grading of prospects and those evaluation and what holds more weight than another. And obviously, it's all subjective, mm-hmm. and it's going to be each team and each group that's making the personnel decisions for a team. But something we talked about a little bit earlier, as related to to Josh Allen and how, when asked about Cleveland. He had his he had his note card ready, right? <laughs> Coaching him up, and you have what's going to be on tape, and obviously all the background interviews that are done of people who know him, who played with him, and everything else. But sitting in that room one on one, how early can you tell? All right, this guy's just coached up really well versus being authentic. Oh, you can tell right away. You can tell by the answers that they're given if they're scripted or not authentic. They don't necessarily elaborate. They use words that when you've heard them or talked to them before, it's not really how they kind of come off. Do you let them um, go through 15 scripted plays like the beginning of a, an NFL game? Uh, you, let them, <laughs> you, let them, you let them do their deal. You let them go through it and then you try and catch them on the rebound. Or you inject yourself into the conversation. You give them an oddball question that kind of makes them kind of get off the spot. So we've heard the crazy questions that have come out of the combine. If you were an animal, would you be a cat or a dog? And part of the reason you do that is just to get them off that scripted thing that they're on. You're trying to make them think, you're trying to get them, then you bring them back to the line of questioning. A lot of times when you're meeting with these guys, we understand what they're saying. And unless they have some background issues in the background, you're really trying to get comfortable with the kid and trying to figure out 
how will he relate to the other teammates and coaches in the locker room? Is he one of your quote-unquote guys? Meaning he kind of buys into the fabric of what your organization is about. And then you just kind of move on from there. But a lot of what we're trying to figure out right now is about the person and less about what they bring to the table as a skill. What's interesting is that you mentioned how does he fit in with our locker room, which is always evolving, right? It's a living Mm -hmm. organism. And especially now, the NFL, it turns over very quickly these days. And hell, for that matter, coaches turn over just that fast in trying to establish that locker room. So when when you're in that part of the evaluation process, how much weight does that whole – I mean, you want them to fit – but knowing that between now and even draft day, it's you're going to have a lot of shifts in terms of personnel. You might think, hey, these guys are coming back. They love playing for us. They love us here. And then they get an extra half-million-dollar offer or something happens in their personal life to where suddenly we're not as attractive an option, and suddenly that changes. How do you, how do you respond to that moving organism when you're trying to figure out that next hire? Well, whoever's in charge, the team builder, is trying to create a culture. You hear that uh, popularized in sports today. Oh, we got to have the right culture. We're trying to create, create the right environment. And that culture is established by the head man. A lot of times it's the head coach and or the general manager. Well, what you're trying to do is put together a bunch of people who have common traits. Uh, when I was in Carolina, we used to call those traits critical factors. And some of the things that we were really, really big on, intelligence, leadership, competitiveness, were they gritty, um, are they clutch? Do they perform in big moments? And you're trying to assess, do these guys have these five core characteristics that we say are non-negotiable to play with us? Meaning they're leaders. Um, they understand how to compete. Competing means a lot to them. Are they gritty? Have they shown the ability to bounce back from poor obstacles or difficult times? Are they clutch? Do they perform well under pressure? Because in this game, you can be in pressurized situations. How do you perform and fare in those things? And so if those guys exhibit those qualities along with the requisite intelligence, you feel good about having a team full of those guys because you believe at the end of the day when it's said and done, if you have a number of guys that have those core factors, you will be able to find a way to get to the winner's circle regardless of what is thrown out at you during the regular season. That's it. I want every team's term. Oh, you want right? the critical factors? I want all, you, you got the, the critical factors. You want, you want I want to know what, yeah, that's Carolina. I want to know what Green Bay is calling it and, and Cleveland. I want to merchandise that. That's <laughs> what I, I, I want to sell that, Bucky, because we talk about inspirational posters and motivational t-shirts and whatever else. I think we could, I think we could do you some think, business. You think, come I think some, you could be my some, mole and some, I think we could have some swag. Some, some acronyms. Yeah, I mean, every every team every team has a set of things that they want. Coaches have things that they want. It's funny. One day I was sitting in um, Fox Studios getting ready to go on FS1, and Jimmy Johnson, mm-hmm. two-time Super Bowl winner, national championship coach, was there. And I got an opportunity to have 90 minutes to pick the brain of a mastermind oh, wow. when it comes. Okay. And one of the things that we talked about, how do you build a team? How do you know that you have it? He said, you know, but when you go through the draft, there has to be four or five guys that you say – these are my kind of guys. These are guys that I want to coach. And regardless of what round they are, they're guys that you want because you know those guys get it the way that you want to get it. And it allows you to come to work joyous every day knowing I'm about to coach and teach football to a bunch of guys that are willing to receive the message. And so 
As simple as that, you want people that are going to be receptive to the coaching and the teaching. And so if we go all the way back to what Oliver was talking about with Steve Kerr and the Steph Curry thing and how some are skeptical on whether Steve Kerr would be able to have that relationship with others, I believe so because I believe Steve would populate his locker room with guys that take that kind of coaching, have that kind of go back and forth between player and coach. If you go back and think about who Steve played under, Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson had all those different personalities, but there was some common link that kind of bound that squad together. I think coaches know what kind of guys get them and what kind of guys they want to be around. I think that is the big thing with coaching. And a a lot of terms that we use in scouting, the, the base term when it comes to fit and scheme, and really that fit and scheme could be fit and culture. Does this guy fit how we want our team to be? Think about New England and the guys that they have. Some of these guys wouldn't necessarily fit in other places. They just, maybe they're not good enough, they're not talented enough. Well, and some of those guys work. didn't necessarily fit in other places. Right, but right? for whatever and, reason. And, and didn't look like they'd make make sense. Right. right? Go back to Corey Dillon, uh, James Harrison so, coming so, in there now. So, so many these different guys. guys. Randy they, Moss. Like, who thought Randy Moss would fit into that culture? But in New England, Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick has established a culture of guys that he wants. And when I talk to guys, man, they're like Patriots are really reluctant to give you the secret sauce. They won't sure. tell you. I'm like, dude, you don't play anymore. You're done. Like, I, 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 would, I wouldn't give I, you. They, I mean, they, you won't, they, won't, they won't give you. They won't give you anything. But what I've had guys tell me, it's a place where you have to earn everything, and you always have to be on your P's and Q's. For instance, in team meetings, there's a thing called the pop quiz, where Bill Belichick will randomly ask anybody in the room a question: What are the Eagles' favorite third and eight plays? And if he calls on you and you don't know it, there's some consequences that come with that. So what you create is everyone is preparing, everyone is studying. No one wants to be the guy. I've heard it referred to as don't be that guy, the guy that he calls on you ill-prepared. When they sent out the message, I think it was a few weeks ago, it was snowing. um, And they still had to get to work. And he was like, I expect everybody to be on time. And you're like, man, it's snowing. Like, how am I going to get there? I don't care. Leave earlier. Get, get there. there. Sure. And so they've established a certain protocol that, look, you play here, there's certain things that you have to be into. All right. I'm being dominated uh, 2-0 right now in hot takes and sausage. But as we know, these are usually worth 37,000 points for the finale. So I still have a puncher's chance, as it were. Alex Tyshard steps in on the board. Robert Dasmati, our executive producer. All right. Fire it up. All right, like he said, Bucky, these are worth 37,000 points, the last mm. one here. So he can take the lead and win if he gets it right. So we're going to keep the conversation around quarterbacks in the NFL. I got a lot of phraseology ready. Let's go. <laughs> and we're going to go out to Jacksonville and Blake Bortles. Now, he had himself a good game last Sunday, even though they lost, and the Patriots went to their t- are now going to their 10th straight Super Bowl. But the Jaguars <laughs> have some decisions to make when it comes to Bortles. They can either resign, resign him, let him walk, you know, a lot of different things, a lot of different opinions of what they should do. Did Bortles prove himself enough? I just want to know what you guys think the Jags and Tom Coughlin which should do with Blake Bortles going into next season. Mike, we will start with you since you're down. Well, Blake Bortles is one of these enigmatic quarterbacks. You're trying to figure out what he is because you've seen him shine, but then when they put the, the ball in his hands to go make plays, and again, this is more the offensive 
game planning, as you were you and I were talking about before, Bucky, where there were a lot of questions about what Hackett did in the second half versus the way they approached the Patriots' defense in the first, that you, you put the ball in his hands, the thrower didn't call any designed runs, didn't, didn't do it that way, but kept trying to push the ball down the field as things tightened up. And there were times down the stretch he played very well. I don't know that you've seen it consistently enough to where with this window of what you have with Fournette, we don't know how that ankle holds up over time. We don't know. TJ Yeldon, does he get an offer somewhere else eventually to maybe have some more touches along the way? And that defense, kind of looking from the from the base of what that team is right now, do they not take on a, a Seattle Seahawks type mode where you have a couple of years to really maybe make some hay? Because you have to look look at that division as well. They had the benefit of Watson going down, of Andrew Luck not playing, and Jacoby Brissett played well in spots. And that's a great example of a culture and a team that wasn't prepared for anything other than Andrew Luck to lead them. Because... Personnel-wise, they were lacking all over the place. Good good on Frank Gore to keep plowing forward, but there really wasn't much there besides an occasional big hit to T.Y. Hilton and a little bit of Jack Doyle. And then you look at Tennessee, yeah, they, they end up making the playoffs, but they left a lot on the ground. There were still a lot mm-hmm. of questions on both sides of the ball for a team that had such grandiose expectations. So you've got a window here where the division's going to get better. The vision's going to get better. So I say you go and get that quarterback. And there are going to be veteran quarterbacks out there, whether it's an Alex Smith, whether you want to pay the big freight that comes with Kirk Cousins, whether you use your first-round pick to find that next guy. There there are options certainly out there, and the quarterback seems to be the piece that could propel them forward. Because remember, Allen Robinson's coming back too. He wasn't around. So that's another one where you're looking at the downfield passing game with Blake Bortles. They changed things up this year, and Allen Robinson wasn't there. Hearns was also hurt for a while. You didn't have your full complement of players. Is that benefit Blake Bortles, or is that a detriment? We'd seen Bortles work with those receivers before and not to much success. I say you go find another trigger man. You've got the makings of a team that could play towards the elite for a while. You know, here's the thing with Blake Bortles, and it is – a love-hate relationship between Blake Bortles and myself when it comes to me evaluating Bortles. You don't like the Central Florida guy and his national I am, title? I I don't, and I'm a Jaguar. Like, I spent uh, a year and some change with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was there. We went to the last AFC Championship game against the Patriots in 1996. And so I really want to be down. I mean, you talk about DTWD, Duval till we die. I am with that. My issue with Blake Bortles is I just don't know if I can buy the product. Because what I got to buy, like this is what I have to buy. Blake Bortles is on an option of $19.5 million that he would play under next year. Do you know how much money Aaron Rodgers is is under his base salary? $19 million. Right about that, right? So if I'm going to close my eyes and I can tell you we're going to the park and you can pick Blake Bortles or Aaron Rodgers, I'm just saying, how many of us are going to go with Blake Bortles? So I just have a tough time with that. And then I know to help Blake Bortles play at a level, just a decent level, we have to have so many things around. We got that defense that is outstanding and is Super Bowl ready. We got playmakers. I love it. I love it. I can't get enough of that. I can't get enough. Oh, man. Wait, 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 now now you're just kissing his butt. What are you doing? all of it. 
But like, <laughs> but here's what I will say about Blake Bortles. I will say he acquitted himself quite well the last couple games. He showed promise. Am I willing to buy that? No, but here's what I'm willing to do. I am willing to put Blake Bortles on a bit of a layaway plan. I'm going to put him on the same layaway plan that the Washington Redskins put Kirk Cousins on. I am going to rent to own. You remember when we see You're those gonna, commercials? Well, they, they're still I'm out there now. You own. got layaway I'm going to see if I can go to one of those furniture stores and say, you know what I would like to do? I would like to see if I can rent to own this love seat. And I'm going to pay the premium in 2018, and I'm going to see if he can deliver again. And then if at the <laughs> and, end— And you put him in a love seat. I'm going to put him in a love seat. If I don't like the love seat, we'll swap it out to a lazy boy. But I don't know. Right now, I'm going to rent him for one more year, and I'm going to see if he can get it done because I just can't give him $20-plus million to be my quarterback for the long term. Now you were cheating me on the the Aaron Rodgers. He put, he signed that deal a couple of years ago. I mean, but that's price, what he price is. of poker's gone up though. But that's what he <laughs> is. Right now he hasn't signed a deal. I, I just got to go by what he knows. The check still comes in the mail at it's nineteen no million. Way. Absolutely. <laughs> Not to mention all those you know insurance commercials. Oh yeah, discount double check. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's doing those with BJ Raji still, right? That's what's happening out there. BJ Raji, where did BJ Raji go? Where, where, is, where, <laughs> I have Raji, no idea. Where, what's BJ Raji doing? After he did that belly roll in the Super Bowl, that's the last that, I've that ever seen it. him. Yeah. Jeez. All right, guys. So it was it was a fun little round here. Bucky, you came out strong the first two. Uh, see, you, you know what? You know what? You know what you're doing? You give me, you give me, you give me the breakup. You know what? It's not you. It's me. You don't know. It's, it's something that I'm going through. It's not you. Mike, well, Mike was coming out good. I was like, oh man, he's gonna take the thirty-seven thousand. Well, I thought, I thought he didn't gonna... do it in the end. He didn't do it. Bucky ended up sweeping Michael Harmon. Yeah, no. Look at that. Layaway got me. Yeah. No question <laughs> about it. Hey, it's Fox Sports Whoa! Sunday. Acronym got you. Fox Sports Sunday coming to you live from the guy. Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. We'll wrap this up in a minute, Bucky. But coming up next, we'll also grab a bite from our guests and we'll wrap up hot takes and sausage. A very controversial end next. Hey, welcome back. Fox Sports Radio. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Mike Harmon alongside Bucky Brooks. Find Bucky at NFL.com at Bucky Brooks. On Twitter, his first round mock draft is up. And ready for you to, well, begin your ability to uh, assail him with questions and comments about why your favorite collegiate player isn't <laughs> being drafted as highly as you think they should be. Uh, he welcomes each and every one of your comments. Just let, let's be smart about it. It's it's all a debate. It's all fun. And two and a half months of speculation ahead of draft day. I can't wait for the t-shirt and underwear Olympics, uh, which will be on air to, to talk about all... Uh, from Indianapolis, as everybody talks about the places they went to eat, we'll be worrying about the <laughs> Steak interview and shake. process. That's it. Steak and shake. Steak and shake and the place for the shrimp cocktail, I think, are the St. Elmo's. That's it. That's it. I always forget. I know it's the – because I want to start singing St. Elmo's Fire, the theme song. Yeah. Because that's what I'll do You know, after the show is over. I'll crank that up and go – Riding off into into the day here in Southern California. Uh, in about five minutes from now, we we tackle the a little bit of the seriousness of the Michigan State situation and where things go from here. Because between the university, between the coaching staffs, both for Dan Antonio for D'Antonio and for Tom Izzo, a lot of questions, but also for the NCAA as a whole. Bucky and I will get into that about five minutes from now. Uh, but first, you know, the hot takes and sausage, 
you have become a master very quickly of figuring out what that hot take line is going to be. <laughs> lay away, lay away, slayed the crowd, and I know got people excited because maybe maybe they did that because th- they brought it back the last couple of years. If you needed furniture, you needed even Toys R Us now going through some bankruptcy stuff and closing some stores, but they had lay away advertised pretty heavily at Toys yeah. R Us if you needed that hot new toy item of the year. Yeah. I mean, put it put it down. I remember the first thing that I ever bought myself when I was a kid. I don't know if you remember members only jackets. Sure. But members Wait, only jackets. We may or may not have someone walking around the hallways with one now. I bought a members only. I think it was $65 and I bought it on layaway. So I remember putting $5 down at back where I'm from in Raleigh, North Carolina. I can't even remember. I think it may have been Hudson Belk was the store. So I remember going in there with my $5 bill and I was on a newspaper route and every Friday I would go in and pay it down. It may have taken me five months to get it done, but I got I got it done. But you had five months else. that you, you know. Yeah, yeah, diligently went and did layaway. So that's what the Jaguars should do with Blake Borders. Just give them $5 at a time. That's it. Pay your student loan bills too, people. <laughs> you took out the loans, cough it up, pay it back. Uh, see, I had to do my, my PSA along the way if we're going to talk about, you know, loans and servicing loans and and whatever else time for grab a bite where we go and we look at some of the commentary from our guests earlier in the show Nora, we've got oliver maroney first off the nba as we get towards the all-star break we still got several months left in this season coinciding with where we're going with the nba draft and we were talking about the celtics and them being a realistic true contender for the nba crown i think what we saw last night is a young, hungry Boston Celtics team with a leader in Kyrie Irving who's been there and done that multiple times, multiple years against the Warriors. And I I think it's very possible that you see the Boston Celtics come out of the East over Cleveland and give the Warriors a run for their money. And in my opinion, it's not necessarily... uh, I, I, I wouldn't really mind either way if it's Cleveland or Boston, but but for me personally, I'd like to see Boston in there because at least it gives you something that you can <laughs> that's different from what we've seen in the past three years. And I think the Cleveland series versus the Warriors series are great. Uh, I don't think it's bad for basketball necessarily, but at the same time, seeing a young, hungry, energetic team like that with a little bit more depth, I would say, um, as far as just the versatility they, they present, uh, especially against this Warriors team, I-, I think it would be a lot of fun to watch that series. I don't know if they can put the Warriors past maybe six six games, but I, I think with Brad Stevens as a coach, anything is possible. Now, for me, I want to see all of these great rivalries come to a proper end. right? So while it may bore people, and it's possible that they get run out of the gym this time if it's mm-hmm. Cavaliers and Warriors one more time, but the sports fan in me wants to see it one more time. Get them, they get bludgeoned one last time, and LeBron goes somewhere. Isaiah Thomas gets kicked out of town. Kevin Love, the scapegoat, it would seem for everything, at least on the surfaces, right? He's the fall guy, as it were, to steal from Chris Carter. Uh, that I want to see it come to its natural conclusion, as opposed to here's it's, I wouldn't be averse to seeing the Celtics, but I, I'd, I'd like to see dynastic runs and these things of, of largesse come to a, a natural end, and then we bury it and we move forward. You know, it'd be compelling. Here, here's what I would like to see. I would like to see if the Boston Celtics are going to make the run and make it to the Super Bowl, 
I want them to have to dispatch to the Cleveland Cavaliers in the championship game. I believe titles should be earned, and I want to see guys go about it the hard way. So if the Boston Celtics are able to knock off the Cleveland Cavaliers, hats off, I want to see them go to the finals. I do believe they might be a better matchup to the Golden State Warriors than the Cleveland Cavaliers based on how they play, sure. based on Brad Stevens' mm-hmm. ability to kind of muck up the game against them. If you look at this series the last couple of years, the Celtics have had success against the Warriors. They've beaten them at Oracle, which is tough to do. They've beaten them at home. They just match up well. Maybe their pieces are in place. Now, how would that play out over a seven-game series? Do they have the firepower to match a team with KD and Steph and Clay and Draymond? I don't know, but I do know that in regular season play, they certainly don't fear them, and you can make the argument that they probably could have swept them this year, which I don't think anyone would have expected anybody to do to the Warriors. All sorts of drama heading as we get to the second half of the season. Also heading towards the Super Bowl, we had a chance earlier today to catch up with Nora Princiati uh, covering the Patriots for the Boston Globe set for this week's build-up to Super Bowl 52. Some of the stuff about Brady sort of being a diva and being very aloof toward his teammates they make fun of that guy all the time. Like, it's it's a pretty, you know, they make fun of him for being old. They tease him <laughs> that, you know, people think he's cool because he's married to a supermodel, but he's not that cool. <laughs> and it's a pretty loose, comfortable thing. I've never seen a rookie call him sir. So, which was one of the things that, it, that supposedly happened, um, <laughs> according to that piece. So while I think a lot of the underlying things in there are very real, the environment does not seem different. Well, what does he? What does he have legitimately? And I mean, we we think he could play forever. Uh, he may be that metahuman that we keep seeing in all these superhero films, Bucky. But uh, the the end does come. And and even if they called him Sir, I'm, I'm what am I drawing to that? I get called Sir a lot. If you look like you're older older than thirty five, they call you Sir everywhere <laughs> you go. And most of these guys were kids when he came into the league. I it's like I don't understand. Why that would be a, a, a big point, and in the end, he's Tom Brady. You have a chance to win. And in the NFL, there's very few teams, unless everything and the stars align, that you're going to legitimately have a chance to compete for a title. Yes, you're going to fall in line, and as goofy as he may be, and things you may look at is avocado ice cream and other things and think he's, he's off his rocker. In the end, he wins. He does win. And it's hard to dispute that. I think the one thing about Tom Brady that we can say is he has figured it out. He has solved the Rubik's Cube. He understands how to play against defenses. He continues to have success. At 40-plus years old, you just don't think that he would be able to do it, but he's been able to avoid major injury. Outside of the one catastrophe that he's had with the ACL, he has been a guy that is suited up each and every week. As he gets older there'd be a bigger premium on making sure that the offensive line is good and protects him. He does a great job of getting the ball off quicker than anybody else in football. And so who knows how long he can play. I'm beginning to buy into the time versus time argument. Maybe, just maybe, he'll play to 45 like he said he wanted to. Fox Sports Sunday. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Mike Harmon. It's time now to get caught up on everything going on in this world of sports with our buddy Isaac Lowenkron. Isaac? Michael and Bucky today down under. Roger Federer won his 20th Grand Slam title, defeating Marin Cilic in five sets for his sixth Australian Open Championship. In the NBA a short time ago, the Oklahoma City Thunder confirmed that Andre Robertson ruptured his left patellar tendon in last night's win against the Pistons and is expected to be out for the rest of the season. The NFC 
champion Philadelphia Eagles are scheduled to fly to Minneapolis this afternoon for Super Bowl 52. As of about 15 minutes ago, a crowd had gathered outside of their training facility for their send-off to the airport, a crowd numbering... About two dozen. Though in fairness, it is raining. Patriots will fly out tomorrow. Mike Reese just reported that Rob Gronkowski is on the field at Patriots Patriots practice today for the second straight day after his concussion from the AFC Championship game had kept him off the field. No official word yet on Gronk's Super Bowl status. However, he is listed as probable for the Maxim party. Tom Brady will play (laughs) Super Bowl 52 stitch-free. Ian Rappaport of NFL Media reported this morning that Brady had the 12 stitches on his throwing hand removed earlier in the week. And finally, as we were describing earlier, Chapter 2 of Brady's Facebook Live documentary, Tom vs. Time, was just released. The most candid part of Chapter 1 was Brady cursing up a storm on the drive home after the Patriots' opening night home loss to the Chiefs. And the most candid part of Chapter 2 was Brady also venting on the drive home after another early season home loss to the Carolina Panthers. Listen. You know, we're the Patriots. You know, let's just roll our helmets out there. And, you know, we're going to win and, you know, we'll score and they'll quit and, you know, don't worry, we'll win. Worked out pretty good, though. Back to you guys. <laughs> Seemed to have worked out well. I like that. He sounded he sounded young and whiny in that. <laughs> and that. And that's okay. You get to have those moments. Thank you, Isaac. Uh, word out of, out of Denver for financial considerations. They may be shopping Aqib Tlaib. The one guy in all of sports who once did the don't you know who I am to me. <laughs> at a Super Bowl event introduced and I because I didn't address him properly and with loud music behind me and people trying to tell me who he was I didn't get the name didn't like, get a name like he was just finishing college he wasn't you know the pro bowler and and star that he is now it's like I, I could only have instant facial recognition on several thousand I hadn't uploaded that next class to the database That's funny. which mean I would have fa- failed that test uh, over at NFL Network we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO the only hard part figuring out which way is easier now I, I don't want mean to give this a, a short tenure, but we'd be remiss if we didn't at least discuss for a moment, given your job as a scout, being around college athletes, being around guys transitioning into the NFL and all the coaches and people that are part of this process, right? As you're getting to to know and vet players, look, you unearth a lot of things from a lot of different places, professors and mm-hmm. administrators and everything else. But what's going on at Michigan State, uh, you have the Nasser Judgment comes down up to 175 years in prison, 150-plus women who have been assaulted by him as part of his job with the Olympics and at Michigan State, where he worked for another year-plus after being fired by the Olympic staff. Allegations that a number of things were covered up, both on the football side from D'Antonio and a couple of instances with Tom Izzo. And we've seen the fallout thus far. Athletic director gone, president of the university, just days earlier, trustees and everybody putting all their support, including Tom Izzo, because of her fundraising prowess and what she did in terms of building their new basketball arena. And then the bombshell comes out, The Athletic and ESPN, with Mark Emmert having had some 37 assault uh, allegations covered up. And that's Michigan State. 
So in this process, as we go through, and certainly there's an investigation to be had, the question is, Bucky, who's going to do it? Does the NCAA have the ability at this point with the guy who was their head to actually conduct this investigation to where anybody would feel that you got the truth and, and got all the way back down to the base of it? Or does this have to be some special prosecution and investigation coming out of Washington? I think this is um, troubling on so many different fronts. Um, I think it's troubling um, <clears throat> as a parent, obviously you want your kids to be protected. Uh, when they go away to college, you want to make sure they have a worthwhile experience that leads them change for the better. Um, and so when you hear these allegations of violent crimes against women, um, you certainly are troubled by the nature and the climate that may have appeared to be on Michigan State's campus. However, I think it's important that with all people, guys and girls, that we protect all our young people because we have certain things that happen with young boys that we need to make sure that we're very, very mindful of. I think as coaches, um, as the guys who are supposed to be the leaders of men, um, it is our responsibility to make sure that we talk to our young people about making the right choices and how to act and how to conduct themselves. And as athletes, um, you're held to a higher standard, and that standard should be embraced by athletes. And coaches have to remember that their role is not just to win games, but to also leave these young men as better people when they finish their four or five years at their respective universities. So when it comes down to the investigation, I think we always have to remember that allegations are allegations and that they need to be investigated and that both parties need to be um, protected until the outcomes are rendered. I do believe that it will have to go outside of the NCAA's jurisdiction because this is not what the NCAA does. They're not um, investigators of that nature. They don't know the ins and outs of trying to figure out if allegations are true or not. Someone certainly has to go and do the deep digging and to make sure that everything that has supposedly been withheld comes to light and that all the people who may have engaged in behavior that was unbecoming, they they have to face justice for those things. And so I don't know where it goes, but obviously something needs to be done. We can't have these kind of things going. And the world is changing. It's a changing time. We're seeing more sexual harassment, assaults, domestic violence, all of these come to light. And it's time that we address it and we have to take care of it. And with sports having such an influence on people, we have an opportunity to kind of be the moral compass, even though some of us don't see ourselves in that role. Well, but sports leads for a lot of change. We've talked about it politically, Absolutely. racial racial lines, and, and things where we've just seen a, a lot of different things in terms of social uh, change has come out of Absolutely. ideas and, and things embraced in the sporting world. Here, as we, we at least from what we have right now, Post Baylor, post Penn State, and even recently, right? Mm-hmm. Rick Patino. Yes. Finally, after all, a number of allegations, one that cost him his job, it's like the I passed it along to an administrator or to the police doesn't work anymore in, in these scenarios. So the, the question for D'Antonio, who vehemently denied this, and for Tom Izzo, is you're, you're expecting us to believe that you're two of the most powerful people, not only on that campus, but in the state in terms of your positions that 
there's there's no knowledge of what's going on or the rumors on your campus. Well, I th- and I, th- I think I think the one thing is we have to be careful on both sets. Like things that happen need to be investigated, but we also need to remember that those who are alleged to engage in these behaviors are innocent until proven guilty. And somewhere in there, there has to be this middle ground where coaches are able to um, investigate and discipline their players and make sure that things are done or not done based on what they find. But we have to have a level of transparency that involves. North Carolina just had um, a case with one of their players who was alleged to commit sexual assault. He was eventually acquitted and found not guilty of those uh, allegations. I think it's tough, and I think we have to just be careful on both sides to make sure that we are protecting the victim, but we're also protecting the perpetrator until we know for sure that that perpetrator engaged in those crimes. Making sure we actually get to the facts, and that becomes the billion-dollar question going forward of who will be doing this investigation. Uh, He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Mike Carmen. This is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Coming up next, hey, we parlay all the time. It's next. Welcome back in Fox Sports Radio. It's Fox Sports Sunday. Mike Harmon alongside Bucky Brooks in for Dan Dan Beyer. At Bucky Brooks on Twitter. See his work, NFL.com. His first round mock draft is up right now. Find me over at Swollen Dome. Please do take a, a minute and uh, you can get the show on iTunes. Subscribe to Fox Sports Radio Weekends. Download the show each and every week. All the breakdowns that Bucky and I have been doing over the course of the last three plus hours. Uh, you'll be able to have that a little bit later on today and carry it with you uh, as you go forward. We get, Thank you for giving us a few minutes of your time. Now, Bucky, we have a time-honored tradition here at the end of the show. Well, to owing to our uh, gambling <laughs> notions, let's just call it that. Yeah, like everybody in sports, at least you pay attention to the lines, maybe not as much mm-hmm. uh, as some broadcasters do or, or certainly some of the degenerates walking the hallways here. Uh, we are responsible, folks, once they give us microphones. Uh, but we do a little thing called parlay all the time. You want to recap last week for us here, Dusmati? Yeah, just real quick. So last week the questions were we wanted to pick the Super Bowl representatives from the NFC and the AFC. We also had the winner of the Celtics and Warriors of last night's game, and we had to choose a Hall of Fame inductee in baseball. So let's see how we did. I'm riding that Jaguars train all the way to the Super Bowl, man. What? It's going to be Jaguars wow. and Vikings. There you go. It's the Super Bowl America deserves. Oh, God. Warriors are going to be down early, but they'll come back and win that game against the Celtics. And I let's go with Vladimir Guerrero making the Hall of Fame. All right. All right. I have got a Super Bowl of New England and Philadelphia as well, just like Mike does. Let's go with the Celtics on the like road it. to surprise people on Saturday night. And uh, I'll tell you what, congratulations to Trevor Hoffman. Yes, Hell's Bells will be playing in Cooperstown come July because the Padres closers getting into the hall. Pats, Warriors, and we'll take Chipper Jones. Well, who do the who do the Patriots play? Patri- Patriots are going to. I'm sorry, we're going to play the uh, we're going to play the Eagles. I picked the Eagles earlier. Oh, look at that! We got a we got a clean sweep of the parlay for Michael. I, I finally got a parlay victory <laughs> as we go for today. Let's go quickly. Pro Bowl winner. Pro Bowl MVP, and then Houston plays at San Antonio on Thursday. Title contending Rockets. So let's get them in the mix. Pro Bowl winner. NFC. Lucky. NFC. NFC is a better team. All right, NFC, give me a, an MVP. Uh, Drew Brees. 
Bree's the MVP. Houston or San Antonio? Uh, let's go with Houston. Chris Paul on the game-winning shot. There you go. Oh, all right. All right, so I got the NFC winning as well with Alvin Kamara winning Nicely the done. MVP. And I got San Antonio winning. Popovich is going to find a way to frustrate us all with a win against Houston. There you go. San Antonio, I'll go from the back end first. They get the victory. I'll go opposite with the AFC, and I'm going to take the sidearm slinging Phillip Rivers to have a day before he sits down He's and hangs out with his kids. How about that? It's pretty good. There we go. We got that through pretty quickly. Yeah. Fun show. Very fast, entertaining, and informative. Bucky, I've got a, a little better idea of the scouting process now. I'm not well-equipped to do anything with it other than you know regurgitate what you've given. So oh, I you think can that's do all the, the analyst work. Yeah. you got to figure out a way to take that and put it into your fantasy work. Well, you know, I, I'm a man, yeah. of, man of all trades, and I'm certain that we could figure that in our scouting process for 2018. Thank you for joining us. Fox Sports Sunday here on Fox Sports Radio. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare i'm diosa and i'm mala we are the creators of locatora radio a radiophonic novella which is a fancy way of saying a a podcast. podcast Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First first Listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.